Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O... Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's alright. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two heelsandaface.com Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes. No holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Once again, if you're enjoying this podcast, please go ahead and let 
your friends, your family know. If they like wrestling or they just like listening to two friends muck it up once a week, definitely go ahead and hit them up. Big things happening on the show tonight. We're going to talk about the reunion of Santana and Ortiz. What happened with all of that? What caused them to break up? And what has brought them back together? We're going to talk about LA Knight. Right now, could he be the biggest draw in WWE? The Buster's going to give his take. Terry Funk passed away at 79 years old. ECW legend has had so many people shouting out their support for him on social media. We're going to go into that. All in coming weekend in Wembley Stadium. Ticket sales are starting to ramp up back again the closer we get to the event. We're going to talk about Shelton Benjamin. Uh, the Butsters got some takes on Shelton Benjamin and his career. Also talk about Ray Phoenix. What happened with him? And why has he been taken out of the all-in show? All of that and so much more. Let me go ahead and first bring him in. He is my brother from another mother. It's the Can-Am Connection. His name is Christopher Butt. Butster, what's going on, brother? Oh, this is it, Mike. Uh, recording on a different night. My fault this time for a change. Living life. we got a Santa's workshop happening in my house right now. Um, uh, my lovely wife is actually out burning numbers into wooden cars as we do this show. I tell you what, when we think about this, and all kidding aside, when we talk about Santa and, you know, Santa had elves. Mm-hmm. Okay, he had a staff. Okay, let's be real honest here. Santa just put the uh, the ideas out, and he made his staff do the work. You're Santa. Your wife is Mrs. Claus, even though she's way hotter than Mrs. Claus, if I may say that. Thank you. However, doing this as often as you do, and we talk about it, and we talk about the different shows you go to and the charities that it supports, and and it's such a great thing that you do, but I really don't think people truly understand the amount of time, energy, effort with a full-time job, in a relationship, things you got to do at the house already to begin with. Um, Being the modern-day Santa, I, I tell you what, it is a lot of work. Do you ever get to the point where you're like, I don't want to make anything else. I want to take a little bit of time off. Or are you like, you know what? I'm still feeling it and I love it. Uh, it's usually the week of a show. The week of the show, I've I've had my fill. The stress starts to get to me. I've I've been cramming and cramming, and I just I get a little grumpier. I'm always, I'm always grumpy, but I just get grumpier. Right? It's just when you're you're crunching, trying to get it done. I bring a lot of it by myself as well. Like, oh, let's get 20 more toys. Well, then I get them done. Well, I'm going to try squeezing 20 more and 20 more. And, and I'm always looking for new designs. So then, like I did this time, a week, two weeks before the show, I decided to start making volcanoes. You're launching a brand new toy line within two weeks of a major show. Yep. Did you, did you realize, have you sat back and realized or said to yourself, I'm I'm crazy. I'm I'm literally certifiably crazy. Uh, no, uh, I know it. You know, yeah, I'm cuckoo for cocoa puffs. I know that, but yeah. So I I had a couple pieces of wood I didn't have any use for off the top of my head, and I decided to make volcanoes. And then wow. I showed them to Linda, and she said they were great. And then she asked how many I had made, and I said a dozen. And her exact words were. I hope you don't fucking think I'm painting those. <laughs> I love well, it. I'm not sure if they're going to be ready or not. They're on the table. We'll see. They could end up in the burn barrel in the backyard for all I know, because Mama Bear's getting tired too. So it's, well, it's always mean, a week before a show. It just I was about it to say to me a lot. We've been doing this long enough, and I've known you and the shows you do. The week before, you know, in college, they say, you know, finals week is called hell week 
and it is hell week uh, at your house, just getting things ready. Plus, you, everybody works full time, and it's so hard to find time to eat dinner and to relax and to enjoy yourself. But um, we were talking before we started recording that I guess it's going to be tomorrow night that you're just going to probably stay up late and get the the truck packed up with uh, all your gear and, and all the toys. So Saturday morning, you just have to get up and slam a ton of coffee, right? Yeah, get up, make thermos of coffee. I will leave here 7.30 at the latest. We're loading up both vehicles. And, yeah, we'll head on to Harrowsmith, uh, meet the people, the organizers, because I only know one person that's going to be there, the main sponsor. I don't know the organizers, so go up and meet them and get set up and hopefully sell a bunch of toys. Uh, we got the ones that we donated. And, actually, I heard today that the South Front Act Fire Department is going to be there. That's who's oh, the... Nice. Sees the, the bulk of the donations. The money goes to them, so they're going to be there. They're going to be operating on a slip and slide for the kids. So wow. I think that's pretty neat. And yeah, it's very uh, cool. Yeah, it should be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. It's well, you got to think in the last six weeks, I think we've made over 200 toys. Oh my God. Right. And, and, and oh, so just explain to people from before you even start with the piece of wood from mm -hmm. that to a completed toy the time frame polished ready to go i don't even know anything i'm just uh average car takes me it'd be about an hour per car wow maybe a little bit better if you if you factor in time going to the lumberyard getting it home then have to break it down let me make toys so i'm not going to run a 12 foot piece of lumber 10 foot piece of lumber through my planer i don't need that so i'll break them down in three foot lengths cut the edges off square it off because i buy live edge lumber it's a little bit cheaper i plane it all myself so that takes extra time then you have to once you get it planed off you take your sander finish it up make it nice and smooth start with your 80 grit 120 grit 220 grit 320 grit makes it nice and smooth and you slap your tape to it. This is your green painter's tape. Get your glue stick out. Put glue on it. Put your patterns on. Cut it really rough on the bandsaw. And then stack them up. And then trim them all out. Uh, then you get the sander. I have a 1 inch by 30 inch belt sander. Vertical belt sander. I use that with 80 grit. Take the rough edges off. Go to 120, 220, 320. Drill out the holes, uh, like the cars, there's windows in it, so drill out both ends, put it on my scroll saw, cut on my scroll saw. I have a oscillating spindle sander, so that goes up between the window. You use that to get the edges off. Drill out your holes, cut the axles, then you have to sand it all again. Then you have to sand off all the edges, cut your axles, glue your wheels on, and then you have to wax them. So it takes about an hour, maybe a little better an hour per toy. Now, do you have one of those breather masks? Yeah, I have a big mask over. Yeah. Yeah, I have a mask. I have a filter filter nice. system in my in my basement. They also have a big industrial dust collector as well. Nice. Yeah, well, so, the last thing I want is bad lungs or something like that. So No, I agree. So for everybody who, you know, goes to one of these events, these big events, 
you got to keep in mind how much time and effort and energy and money goes into all of this. And, you know, the Butster's not the only one, but I mean, the Butster's the one that all of us know. So obviously we're going to be able to relate to him, but it's, it's a thing of passion. It's something you love to do. Um, you've been doing it for forever. And it's one of these things where it's like, it's a labor of love. And you also find out that money goes towards charities, and which is a good thing as well. It always makes everybody feel good to know that, you know, in life you can give back as well. Yes. Absolutely. Every every show we do, we donate 20% of our sales to something. Not 20% of our profits, just 20% off top. Right. And whatever the, the organization we choose at that point, they get 20 points and then cover our expenses and whatnot and i get enough to buy a nice bottle of bourbon and we call it even and that's about it you have a nice stiff drink you drive home you have a nice meal with the wife go to yeah. bed and guess what you wake up and you start getting ready for the next one right back to the shop because i mean wow. saturday the show is the 10 to 4 we'll be home 5 30 or so time you break down you know you say your goodbyes to everybody we get home carry everything in put it in the part of the basement that'll keep all the toys in once they're finished that'll probably be about it we'll relax i mean we're not cooking dinner or nothing like that we'll order something we're not big ordering out people but it's a long day i was gonna say some nights you just have to you have to wave the white flag and say we're not getting the kitchen messed up we're just gonna get some food in our belly yeah and and then sunday it's our day off together so i mean i'm back to work on monday so sunday we'll spend some time together good get up have breakfast and Ironically, there's a, a show downtown, uh, downtown Kingston here, an, an event, an uh, uh, artisan market that a good friend of ours is at. So she invited us down. So maybe we'll go down and say hello. I'd like to say I'm going to sit around the house and do nothing, but I'm not capable of that. That lasts about an hour and I'm bored. Now, you're, you'll never retire either. I've come to the conclusion. The Butster will never retire. I'll never retire. Woo! Now, at 65, I'm retiring from working from your from your day job oh yeah because by then the mortgage should be paid off or will be paid off should be you know god willing should be debt free so i will retire sell the house and we're gonna move to newfoundland and buy a little house somewhere but we'll still be doing stuff Probably still. Well, have, you, I have a nicer wood shop, so I'll have them probably. You you better make sure in that new location they got the old Wi-Fi, right? Oh, they do. I don't know. I'm not, not going getting rid of me. The sticks. You Good realize day. that's 21 years time, Mike, before I retire. Well, well, when we start hitting that, we we got to make sure that we get you set up the right way. We're gonna be going. Quote, quote me. Quote me. We're gonna be going 20 plus years. Hey, I'll do it. I look we'll forward to this. You know that. I tell you that all the time. This is this is so much fun. We get to come in and you guys get to know a little bit about our friendship as well. And I think those of you who've listened to the show long enough have found out how Butt and I became friends and the whole iteration of the show, you know, with the Ritzer, with Mikey and Jerry. I mean, this is a long lineage of this entire show with a panel. Um, I actually got to talk to some of the people at the panel. I got to talk to Anton. I got to talk to Moondog. Uh, I talked to Mike Cook. And uh, maybe, 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 you never know, might have a reunion. We're just going to have to wait and see. So all of that, we'll be telling you more about the Butt Show later on. We'll give you all the details 
um, all the different information about the show, definitely make your way out there. It's not only going to be fun, but it's going to be worthwhile, and it's going to be for a good charity as well. All right. Uh, a lot of things happening in the world of wrestling. And I think that the, the big thing that hit me, well, there's been two things that have, have hit us pretty hard. Um, the passing of Terry Funk, ECW legend, WWE legend, WCW legend, Terry Funk has unfortunately passed away at the age of 79. Terry was in a convalescent home, uh, where Tommy dreamer would, uh, visit him very often. Um, Mick Foley would visit him as well. He unfortunately passed away. And Terry was having some issues cognitively just due to the fact that it was the nature of wrestling back then. And I know that sounds like an excuse, but it was the nature of wrestling. Plus, Terry took it to the next level. Terry always had that mentality of what Mick Foley had. If I don't give everything, every shred of my body, then I'm not giving the fans what they truly deserve. And it's a tough day here, you know, in the wrestling world to know that Terry Funk's not around and a guy who was very unselfish in, if you ever go back and watch beyond the mat, and if you've never heard of it, you need to look it up and you need to find it. Beyond the mat is a wrestling documentary made by Barry Blaustein. And it was back in, I want to say 99 that it came out. And it chronicles Terry. It chronicles Terry's career and everything that Terry did to get Eastern Championship Wrestling, which is what it was before. Um, even before Eastern, it was called Tri-State Wrestling. And then it went from Eastern to Extreme Championship Wrestling. And they had their very first pay-per-view. And it was called Barely Legal. And everything that Terry gave to that company the speech that Paul Heyman gave early on when uh, when that part of the, the movie was on, it was absolutely amazing. And you get to know Terry's family and Terry's wife and Terry's kids. Um, unfortunately, Terry's wife has also passed away. I believe she passed away about a year and a half ago. So that definitely makes things hard for someone. Um, your, your significant other's passed away. You know, you are not at your home anymore. And your health is declining. So I want to ask you a question here. What is, uh, what's one of your favorite Terry Funk matches? Is there anything about Terry that you, that stands out to you? Like, oh man, this is, this is the quintessential memory I'll have of Terry Funk. The first match I can remember was watching a bootleg copy of, what was it called? Bloody Mania, I think it was. And they had the death match between Terry and Cactus Jack. Okay. I vaguely knew who Terry was. Because once again, where I'm from, we we didn't get a lot of stuff he was doing. Right. So I I knew the name, but I didn't know who he was per se. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, no, I'm following I watched that match, and I was like, who the hell is this guy? (laughs) <laughs> holy crap on a cracker this man is insane and I mean that in a nice way I'm not right. saying that in a in a mean jerk way but that's insanity Yeah, that match they had yeah no I agree and that was my first time really seeing him because we didn't get ECW around from either 
but that was the only way you got that was from tape trading. Right. I wasn't into tape trading. A couple of the guys I knew used to talk about ECW. They were into it, but I just, I was out of wrestling at that point. I, you know, playing a lot of hockey and doing other stuff. So I, I didn't quite get the appreciation. Then when you came back to WWE, was it F or WWE? It was then? WWF at the time. You mean Chainsaw, Char- uh, Chainsaw yeah. Charlie? Yes. Yeah. So then we came back, and that gimmick was kind of hokey, but you still got to know a bit more, and then, you know, you get to learn more. And then you realize, wow, this guy's the real deal. I had I didn't know until it might have been 10 years ago. He was in Roadhouse. Yes. With I had Patrick no Swayze. idea. Yeah. Yep. So then, of course, I had to watch Roadhouse, which is a great movie. Just it is a good movie. It's a really good movie. It is pure cheese, but it's a great movie. Very campy, but yes. Right? And then you start, and especially with today, you know, we can find stuff on YouTube or other ways and talking to people such as yourself and, you know, Googling this and Googling that. And you you really get a greater appreciation for who he was because you got to think in his day... You didn't just load up YouTube and watch his matches. You couldn't go to the internet and see what he was doing in Japan. Yep. That, that just didn't work. You, you didn't have that. Right? And I'm so, glad you, you, you not to interrupt you, but no, I'm what? glad you brought up that, that perspective here because I feel like a lot of wrestling fans nowadays, um, and I think the hardcore ones, and, and, and by all means, don't, listen to what I'm saying and saying, oh, you're a hardcore fan and you're not. What I'm saying is, is in the nineties tape trading. And I'm glad you brought that up because some people think they understand what tape trading is. Oh, did you go to blockbuster? Did you go? No, this is what happened. People would record stuff off of their TV on their VHS and they would label what it was. And then what they would do is other people in that area um, who were wrestling fans as well. You either find out at school or find out that this person was a fan, and then you would end up taking your VHS tape, giving it to one person, them swapping and giving theirs to you, and you would watch it. And that was basically the network, if you will. It literally was a network of people. And I remember doing that, and I remember, gosh, I remember buddies that I would hang out with at the the local YMCA they would. It was almost like the library. Oh, I gave him this tape, and then I, I got this tape, and I didn't see what was going on here, but now I saw it. And the thing is, if you didn't have television that carried some of these promotions way back when, you would have never known about some of these territories. You would have never known about some of these feuds, these characters. But And then obviously when WWE became a thing, a big thing, uh, Vince bought all these characters and – you know, that was that was pretty much it, and the territories ended. And most people's recollection would be, "Oh, I know them from WWE." You know, but before that, man, I mean, there was there was the Texas promotions and the promotions out on the West Coast and in Portland and in Florida and in Texas, and so many things that people would just go ahead and record and then just share with each other. In ECW, I'm glad you brought that up. ECW was not always, it wasn't in every market. I remember sitting in my mom's kitchen, my mom and dad's kitchen, and uh, th- th- this is old school. It was uh, it was green, like the screen was green, like those old computers, and you had UHF and VHF, 
and you would have to somehow get it perfect yep. and, and get the antennas the right way. And it was still staticky. Um, but it was apropos because it was ECW. You know, yep. it was it was the thing that would come on at midnight that you weren't supposed to be watching. Um, and it was great. And, and Terry was on there as well when it first started out. So, yeah, I mean... I mean, my, my first exposure to, to, to ECW, and once again, that's where I kind of, so it goes back, so I'm not going off on a tangent here, was a guy I played hockey with. Big wrestling guy, like huge. And he scored a goal one time, and he did the Sabu, pointing yeah. up to the rafters. Yes. And I had no idea what the hell he was doing. <laughs> so I'm sitting on the bench. And me and another guy just looked at it. What the hell kind of goal celebration is that? Right. We, didn't, we just didn't understand that. So he came to the bench, whatnot. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, you know, you put your two hands up or you do something. No, he just skating doing a Sabu. And then he explained to us it was Sabu, a wrestler. Like, who the hell is Sabu? Is he in WWF? Well, not knowing ECW or nothing like that. And then he looked at me like I had 10 heads because I didn't know what ECW was. Because he was <laughs> he was big into the tape trading. Yes. Uh, Jerry Sullivan was his name, Sully. And he was huge into it. So and then he showed me a couple matches or whatever. I'm like, good lord, these guys are off kilter. This is a bit different. One of the first matches he showed me, it was um Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka? Tanaka, there you go. And I said, oh my lord, they were laying it in. They were really laying it in. And yes. then you get talking about it, and then he brought up, oh, Terry Funk is there. And, you know, once again, I, I knew who he was, but I didn't. And I was just getting back into wrestling and whatnot. And then I seen the, the barbed wire, the three-way barbed wire match. Yes. And, and then, you know, once again, it got everything going. So, yeah, Terry was, he was special. I mean, uh, what's the saying? Uh, he always left it in the ring. He did. You never got cheated by Terry Funk. No, no. And period. Um, I believe it was, and I may be wrong on this. I don't know if it was Sammy Guevara who said something, but uh, Funk wrestled 10 years ago, which sounds crazy, but Guevara was in a match and Funk was wrestling 10 years ago. 69 it, it, years old. It's 69 years old. Um, he was always known, one of his big things was middle-aged and crazy. Well, that man was middle-aged and crazy in 1985. Mm -hmm. So it, it never seemed like Terry aged because Terry always looked the same. That was the big thing about Terry. And he always, I mean, his feuds, whether it was I quit with Ric Flair um, during the NWA, WCW years, which was fan-freaking-tastic, um, or when he was in the WWF, way back when, uh, back in 19, I want to say it was 84, 85, uh, he made his debut there as well. I remember so many things that he had done just because he was so outlandish of a character. And not just that, but I mean, you know, uh, Dory Funk Sr., Dory Funk Jr., Terry himself, uh, the Funk Brothers. Jimmy um, Jack Funk, don't forget him. Jimmy Jack Funk, you're right. The adopted yep. son, I think. So it's just it's just so weird. And, and you know, gosh, this is going to lead me off into a tangent, but you know, you hear 
you hear Cody Rhodes's music, right? There's more than one. I don't know if it says wrestling family or whatever. And that's so true because you have the Funks, you have the Rhodes. Um, obviously, you have the Blanchards who were big as well. Um, you had the Andersons. Uh, and I'm going to keep going on. I mean, you had the Wild Samoans who were a big family in that as well. Uh, the Wyndhams who were a big family in wrestling. And we're going to get to that story, which is absolutely gut-wrenching as well. But there's so many different families in wrestling. And it's such a historical thing. You know, so many generations. And Terry was a big staple of that. And his brother, Dory Funk Jr., was a big part of that as well. Dory still has the Funkin' Dojo uh, where he actually trains wrestlers as well. But, um, yeah, I want to give you a little little rundown here about uh, Terry Funk. And some people may not know this, but Terry Funk was born on June 30th, 1944, in an area called Hammond, Indiana. Actually, not too far from where I'm at right now. He was the son of Dorothy Culver and Dory Funk, who was actually a wrestler and a promoter at the time. Now, following the end of World War II, his family relocated to Amarillo, Texas, where Terry is most notably known and billed from. There, Terry and his brother, Dory Funk Jr., grew up in the business themselves from their father. After he graduated high school, Terry started to attend the West Texas State University uh, College, and now it's just called Texas A&M, if you're familiar with college football. Uh, he completed, competed uh, in collegiate wrestling. And he played football there. So for those of you who don't know, he was an NCAA wrestler and he was a football player on the team. In 1965, um, Funk started actually his career professionally wrestling. He worked under his father, Dory Funk, in the Western States Sports Promotion, which was the territory at the time back in Amarillo, Texas. His debut match was against Sputnik Monroe. On December the 9th, you can look that up. That's a name from the past. He and his brother, Dory Funk Jr., quickly rose to the ranks of the promotion. They were both top guys in the singles division. They would go up against guys like Ernie Ladd, Hank James, and they were also big money draws. People coming through Texas in the Amarillo area would always be put up against the Funk brothers by their father who promoted it and sell out crowds. I know we talk about the Sportatorium being in Texas and that being a big deal, but even prior to the Sportatorium um, where the Von Erichs were at, this was a big deal. 1975 was a big year. I think a lot of people know Terry Funk for beating Jack Briscoe for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in Miami, Florida, and that was a big deal. The NWA, and I think a lot of people if you only know the NWA championship from the Billy Corgan era that right now, and then if you're like, no, I remember it when it was in TNA. Well, even before it was in TNA, Shane Douglas, if you remember, uh, Dennis Corluzzo was actually running the, I don't know, the oldest defunct version of it um, back in 1993. Before that is what we're going. And the NWA was a championship that all of the promoters all around the country, there was a board, an executive board, and they picked one guy to be the champion. And that one guy had to bust his ass. He had to go to Portland. He had to go to California. He had to go up in the Dakotas, go up actually in Canada. He would then go down into the area of Michigan uh, where the Sheik was at. 
They would go into the Northeast as well, which was uh, Vixen McMahon Sr.'s territory. They'd drop down and do the Carolinas. They'd come down into the Georgia area. They'd hit Florida. Then they would hit Mississippi and whatnot, and they'd finally end it back in Texas itself. Terry was the champion for 14 months. Um, other people he defeated uh, were so many well-known names. Um, he defeated Dusty Rhodes, the Giant Baba, Pat O'Connor, which is a big name in wrestling. He was a big deal with the NWA. But then in 1981, he actually ended up joining a company called the Continental Wrestling Association, which he started feuding with Jerry Lawler. Now, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, the first thing that comes to mind is the empty arena I quit match. Which I've and, still never seen, just for oh, i got to find that one day. If you haven't seen this, so everybody who hasn't seen this, if you haven't found it, um, I don't know where you would find it, but you could probably find it on YouTube or just Google it. You might even find it from Daily Motion. It is tremendous. And if you also remember when Terry would wrestle, he would really, like Ric Flair, make you think he was in some god-awful pain. And my, my, that's where that came from. It was so good. The empty arena match with Jerry Lawler. So definitely take time to find that out. Um, Lance Russell was the guy who commentated that. And Lance Russell, I do believe he's still alive. Lance Russell, he also did the USWA, is a historical voice of wrestling. A lot of people now know Michael Cole, if you're a, a WWE guy. Before Michael Cole, clearly it was Jim Ross. Before Jim Ross, there was Gordon Soley. Before Gordon Soley, there was Lance Russell. And uh, Lance has such a great voice, and he called that match, and it was awesome. So you're definitely going to have to check that out. The funny thing is, in that match, there was only four people in the entire arena. There was a single cameraman, Lance Russell, Funk and Lawler. Incredible. So when you think about stadium stampede and hardcore wrestling and whatever you want to call it, anarchy in the arena, even before the famous uh, Tupelo, Mississippi brawl, there was this. And you got to see it. Really, really good. Um, then in 1972, he actually went ahead and traveled across the... Across the globe, he and his brother ended up going to Japan. Now, again, I'm going to continue to give you what you're most familiar with now, and then I'm going to tell you what else there was. So in Japan, you're probably most familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling. But there was also a promotion called All Japan Pro Wrestling, and Terry was a big deal in Japan. I would argue Terry was just as big, if not bigger, in Japan than he was in the United States. He would brawl with Abdullah the Butcher. He would brawl with the Sheik. Uh, he had brawls with Bruiser Brody. He had brawls with Stan Hansen. Classic, classic matches. Now, I do believe that you're able to get those now on the New Japan Global Network. You're able to see those matches. Fantastic. So by 19, 1970, no, I would say about 1984, uh, he ended up with Vince McMahon. So Vince McMahon at this time was kind of taking over the territories. And keep in mind, during this time, the territories were ending because Vince was putting people out of business. And, and let's clarify what we mean by that. What Vince was doing was Vince bought the company from his father. Okay, He had money. 
And a lot of people said Vince McMahon Sr. would be very upset to know that Vince Jr. put all these independent territories out of business. But there's a, a story that's come out recently that Vince Sr. actually was in favor of his son doing this. So once again, who do you want to believe? But he brought Terry in. Terry was a huge draw. Terry was known all over the country. The promoters all knew Terry. They knew that he was a guy that you could trust with the belt. Terry was eventually brought into the WWF. Um, so 1984, 1985, he was wrestling. Um, and he actually uh, wrestled on WrestleMania 2, which I was alive, but I didn't watch WrestleMania 2. Um, Funk teamed up with Dory, who actually called himself Hoss Funk, uh, and Jimmy Jack Funk as well. And they took on the team Batito Santana and the Junkyard Dog at WrestleMania 2. Do you also know that WrestleMania 2 Butster happened in multiple locations? Yes, that I did know. Weren't they trying to compete with uh, Starcade or something yes. to that extent, anyhow? So basically, what was happening is they had found out that the NWA was running um, different promotions and they were. They were trying to capitalize on these different markets. Um, but the big one was when they introduced Survivor Series, um, which is back in, I want to say, 89 or 90. And at that time, Turner was actually starting to put pay-per-views together for World Championship Wrestling. And Vince called up the pay-per-view company and said, uh, no, we're not going to give you WrestleMania, which for the pay-per-view companies was one of their big box office sales for the year and so they ended up uh not blackballing it but they ended up sticking with vince and, and making the money but vince was very shrewd when it came to some of this but wrestlemania 2 uh emanated from the rosemont horizon in chicago it was in madison square garden and there was a third one i want to say it was oh my god this is going to make me look stupid if i don't get this right we're working on oh it was chicago it was new york and los angeles i believe you can you can uh let me know if that's correct or not so he competed at wrestlemania 2 and, and terry would go on to have other matches as well he'd have matches with hulk hogan as, as well um in 1985 and 1986 i know you can catch those on the wwe network um, and then, after his stint, he decided to go down to World Championship Wrestling, which was the Southern promotion. Um, he was in there, and he feuded with Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat. He was a part of the first Wrestle War. Um, so many things that he did. Great Muda. He was uh, managed by uh, the great Gary Hart. If you don't know who Gary Hart is, if you think Paul Heyman is great, you need to go back and look at the lineage of these managers. Um, Heyman's great. Gary Hart is greater. Is that a yes. word? Greater? Yes, it is. Isn't it? Gary Hart, but nobody talks about him. It's unfortunate. It is completely it's travesty. Anybody say boo about him? He was, oh my God, greatest manager ever. But he was so good because he knew the business and he was a booker and he knew the financial aspect of it. And he worked really close with uh, the Von Erich family. Mm -hmm. um, there is a documentary and gosh, I don't know if it's on the network or not. It is about world-class championship wrestling. 
I don't want to say it's the rise and fall. I have the actual DVD. If you want to know, if you really want to learn about wrestling, you need to watch some of these documentaries and you need to make yourself familiar with who Gary Hart is. And, and, and a lot of these people who came before the grand wizard get to know who that manager is as well, because the art of being a manager and being a heel manager, that's where it was born. Mm-hmm. And and now what they do, you just, we, we kind of take it for granted, right? It, it was a fine art, you know, being a manager back in the day. And what I mean by that is the seventies, the eighties, and even into the nineties was just as important as the guys that were in the ring. They drew just as much money. I mean, Bobby Heenan, for example, in uh, AWA, which was up in Minneapolis, when he did the whole weasel suit thing, people would buy tickets to see Bobby get beat up or Bobby get thrown into the weasel suit. And he brought that shtick to WWE with the Ultimate Warrior as well. And it it, it sold. It made money. But if you want to understand wrestling, Gary Hart, um, really, really good. And he's not one of the Hurts, one of the Canadian Hurts. Correct, he is. That's for the record. Let's not get that all confused. They're yes. totally different, not related. Doesn't play off being one of the Hurts. It's, it's not affiliated whatsoever. Um. So yeah. So he came into the WWF had a really good run, but it really wasn't super long. Like I said, back in 1989, he ended up going back to World Championship or going down south to World Championship Wrestling. And I told you, you know, who he feuded with at that point in time. Well, there was so much success um, from the I Quit match that he had with Jerry Lawler in Memphis that he ended up bringing that to the Clash of the Champions 9 when he did that with Ric Flair. And it was amazing. So first thing you're going to do, kids, your homework. You're going to watch the Empty Arena a match that he had with Jerry the King Lawler in Memphis. And the other one you're going to watch is the one with Ric Flair. Um, I want to say it was an 89 or 90, uh, the I Quit match that happened, I believe, at Clash of the Champions. So you have to check that out. Really good. Um, Funk also later appeared when he was inducted into the WCW Hall of Fame, Slamboree 1994. It was called a Legends Reunion. Um, he was the only guy who didn't come out when he was announced. Because he said he was never going to retire. And he went crazy. And he attacked Dustin Rhodes. He hit him with the branding iron. He then went after Dusty Rhodes. Called him an egg-sucking dog. Which was another phrase uh, that he would use as well. If you remember remember that phrase. Um, Yeah, and he just continued to wrestle there. Not all the time, though. uh, Because obviously his love for Japan took him over there again. So in the early 90s, Funk went over to Japan to help out a company that really was not on its feet yet, Um, the International Wrestling Association of Japan. So it was the IWA, and they had all these different types of matches, and they had King of the Deathmatch Tournament. So let's take a deep breath. Let's pause. Everything you know about hardcore wrestling, ECW, Cactus Jack, all that kind of stuff. If you think all of that happened in the WWE, you are sorely mistaken. Once again, the IWA had these tournaments, and it was called King of the Death Match, and they had some of the most insane wrestlers you would ever imagine. And when I say it was 
blood on a gratuitous level, that might be an understatement. Um, he had matches, one of the classic ones that I remember, and I think you would remember as well. He had a match with Cactus Jack. And a lot of people know nowadays that they were really good friends. But he had a match with Cactus Jack, and it was really crazy because it was a no ropes, barbed barbed wire exploding match. There were also boards that were set up that not only had explosions on them, but it had barbed wire wrapped on them as well. And they tore each other apart. And I don't know where you could go to see that. Or you can find it. You probably could YouTube it or something online. Yeah. Just a random question. Like I, sure. I don't mean to hijack your your no as usual, but you're doing fantastic. But this is where my mind goes. Yes. Me and you were buddies. Yes. As much as I love to abuse you verbally, I can't see me and you ever having a wrestling match. One because we'll both have heart attacks. But and throwing you into a string of barbed wire. Well, if you did that, you'd just, immediately have a pulled pork uh, party going on right there. Yeah, but I, you, you know, what I mean, like, I know what you mean. I, so your your buddies, you're tight, you hang out, you go for dinner together, you're very strong friends, you're hanging out. Oh yeah, so I'll see you Friday night, beat your ass, smack you in the head with a chair. Yep, throw you into a sheet of plywood with a bunch of barbed wire and explosives on it and we're not talking uh aew barbed wire deathmatch sparkler event we're talking the real deal here they do there was no sucking on mommy's tit here this was the real deal i love the effect you brought that up because that was such a that was bad but i'll never continue that but but you know i'm going to the fact that there that's a level of professionalism Maybe a little, the boys are a little off kilter. You have to be, yes. But because I just couldn't see me uncompetitive. You know that. But I couldn't see me and a good friend doing anything to where I would do something. I played hockey against good friends. No, never. No, it's hockey. You hit, you know, whatever. I've boxed against good friends, but you never beat the tar out of them right they beat the tar out of each other they laid it in like, pretty well there was there was no playing patty cake here no that was ass kicking 101 like that was violent it, I, I, that shows how professional the pair of them were uh, they could tear each other i'm going with i don't know but you get where I'm trying. You get the road I'm trying to go down. I'm not oh, sure yeah. how to articulate this properly, but you know, it's something different. When even though you're best buddies, you guys are that professional to where yeah, I'll throw you into a string of barbed wire, and we'll go have a beer after. Yep. Because if you threw me into a string of barbed wire, I would punch you in the face. I was I'm not gonna going say for I- a beer after. That's a fisticuff waiting to happen. I was going to say it would be it would be bad, but they did. And I think a lot of things and I think you'll agree with this and a lot of wrestling fans who are watching it now, they don't understand. You know it now as sports entertainment. You know it now as, you know, when you watch the behind the scenes and the curtains been pulled and kayfabe is dead. But I believe the Road Warriors in one of their documentaries on the WWE Network or Peacock or whatever it's called. 
They fought. They actually beat people up. Mm-hmm. And that's what they knew back in the day because they were protecting the business because people would question its validity. And they said, all right, well, let me show you how real it is. And so they would really lay it in on each other. And, I mean, we're talking broken orbital sockets, multiple-time broken noses, uh, a lot of bleeding. So there was there was a lot of um, – what am I trying to say? There, there was a lot of prestige that they brought to their performance. And Who was it slapped the piss out of John Stossel? That was D. David Schultz. Yeah, it didn't go well for him, unfortunately. Didn't go well for him. We'll do an episode on the D. David Schultz situation and uh, the guy who actually allegedly ended kayfabe, which uh, there was a, there was a whole uh, – it was a 2020 or whatever. It wasn't 60 minutes, but yeah. on that whole thing. But we'll definitely talk about that because I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great uh, podcast topic to talk about. Hey, look at that, buddy. I contributed this week. It's I a like good week. It. Um, after he would go to Japan, he would then come back to the United States. At that time, Terry's family really was wanting him to consider retirement. He'd put himself through so much. His family had made good money. He was actually doing commercials uh, locally for a Chevrolet dealership. And things seemed okay. Um, But Terry definitely was starting to have the wear and tear happening on his body. Uh, Terry ended up having two horrible knees. Um, which, to my knowledge, never got replaced. Um, bone chips, bone spurs, you name it, all that kind of stuff. So, again, watch beyond the mat. Watch it, and then you'll be able to understand. They actually Terry actually goes to an orthopedic surgeon for an evaluation. <laughs> and just listen to what the doctor tells Terry. It, it's it's cra- You would be entertained by it, but but in reality, you're like, holy shit. This guy should not even be able to function in life. It's one of the greater documentaries I've seen. And we're not talking just wrestling. I'm talking across life. the board. Sports, yes. true crime, I agree. military, all that's like, it's good. It it gets deep. In, and it's not just about Terry, just for the record. It's Correct. Very, like, no Jake is in it. Yep. Coco and Beware is in it. That's a little heartbreaking that the Jake part. It's a great documentary. Uh, we're not affiliated with Beyond the Mat. Hey, if they want to send us some cash or some t-shirts or something, we both wear 2X. We'll keep pumping your tires. That's but right. Just a record, we're not pumping this out for any reason other than it's that good. Our love. Yes, it's that good. It is. I've watched it eight or ten times, I bet you. You know what we need to do? Let's do an episode on just that movie. Done. Let's do it. Um. So yeah, he ended up going ahead and coming back to the United States and after he came back to the United States he ended up going to a company called ECW which once again if we're going to kind of go back in time there was a company called Tri-State Wrestling which is in the Philadelphia area and then um, it then ended up changing to Eastern Championship Wrestling after they rebranded it Todd Gordon got involved in it Todd Gordon was actually uh, he worked at a jewelry shop he was uh, one of those really high-end jewelers and they ended up convincing him to invest in wrestling. So Todd then started it, but he needed somebody. He ended up hiring Paul Heyman. So once again, if all you know is Paul Heyman from the bloodline, then you don't know anything about the Dangerous Alliance, which is sad because the Dangerous Alliance in WCW was freaking amazing. And then 
a lot of things people don't know. Paul, much like Jim Cornette, got into the business as a photographer, a ringside photographer. He actually, uh, Paul Heyman, worked with uh, Vince McMahon Sr. So Paul's roots to WWF were way before any ECW. So many people could say he was a WWF guy who just happened to, to bounce around. So Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon uh, went ahead and they kind of put the nucleus of this ECW together. And without giving you you know all of the details of it, they brought in some people. It was referred to as a land of misfit toys, the promotion that other people couldn't get over in, um, people that were considered too risky, people who were considered too dangerous. You had people like you know Sabu and you had the Sandman and you had – uh, Mikey Whipwreck and Jerry Lynn. You had um, people like Two Cold Scorpio, but you also had guys like Psychosis and Rey Mysterio as well. Super Crazy was there. What ECW was able to do through contacts, even with Japan, was to have these matches where it included all different genres of wrestling under one umbrella, which was incredible. Um, but on the the documentary, um, you end up seeing their very first pay-per-view, which was barely legal. And he ended up uh, winning the, the world championship that night, which was amazing. So definitely check that out. Also on that documentary was supposed to be Terry's last match with Bret the Hitman Hart. And <laughs> this goes down to all the jokes people have made about Dennis Stamp, the uh, the trampoline guy. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have to check that out. Um, we'll talk more about Dennis Stamp as well. But Terry really put ECW on the map. And uh, Terry took very little money, wanted to make sure ECW was profitable. Um, but then after that happened, late 90s, Terry gets a phone call from Vince to come back to the WWF. It was during the Attitude Era. Remember, they had just gone from the new generation, which was the drizzle and shits. It was bad. Right, because was it really was, that bad, <laughs> dude? It was terrible. It was freaking terrible. Okay, I, I'm gonna pull up the, the the new generation. I'm gonna pull up the roster to that, and it's it was bad. You can't fucking tell me Mantar was great. The new rockers were great. They were um, great wrestlers. The new rockers, they could have done better with them. <sighs> Marty had his demons happen at that point, and I think everyone had their there's something going on. Uh, he came back and he was wrestling. He ended up teaming up with his good buddy Mick Foley, who had had matches with him in Japan with his bloody matches we just talked about. And uh, they actually became the WWF Tag Team Champions when they beat the New Age Outlaws on Monday Night Raw. And I, I believe it was a dumpster match that it, it happened in. And he was formerly known as Chainsaw Char- Charlie now. So what it was, was it was Terry Funk, which was blatantly obvious it was him, with women's pantyhose pulled over his head. And he had a red shirt on. And I don't know if it was jean overalls or it was just a pair of jeans. Jeans and suspenders. In suspenders, that's what it was. And then his classic black wrestling boots underneath there. Um... They would end up having a match then after they stopped teaming together, uh, Foley and 
um, Terry Funk would end up having a match together. And I remember Stone Cold Steve Austin was on commentary when that match happened, and it was on Monday Night Raw. Great, great match. Um, he would come back to ECW a second time. In 1999, November to remember, Funk uh, came back, and his Mr. Dream opponent was going to be um, Tommy Dreamer. And they were going against Just Incredible and Jack Victory. And um, great, great thing. I mean, I I loved it when he came back to ECW. Well, took a little time off, not much. Then he came back to WCW. It's like he spends a little time everywhere. He came back to ECW and he wrestled in 2000 and 2001 when the company finally closed. He was winning. He won their hardcore championship that they officially created. And uh, the company went out of business. They got bought out by WWE. His contract did not go over. He then, from 2001 to 2006, was on the independent circuit. He went to Ring of Honor. He went to MLW. Um, he had battles with CM Punk, Steve Carino, C.W. Anderson, Just Incredible, Simon Diamond. He had matches with people who were previously in the now, no pun intended, defunct, ECW, they were all looking for jobs as well. He also went over to the UK and wrestled. And then another company opened up in 2004, TNA, Total Nonstop Action. He came over with the Sandman, um, and he wrestled in that promotion uh, for only a year. And then finally, all the way until 2016, uh, he made appearances on Monday Night Raw and other places. He was inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame in 2009 by Dusty Rhodes. Crazy. 2016 and 17, he went back to the independent circuits. Why? He had nothing to prove, but he did. Uh, he kept wrestling. He did stuff for the Juggalo Championship Wrestling. He had matches... Um, I'm trying to think here. Okay, he had some matches with Raven again. So he would rekindle some feuds he had in ECW. Um, he'd have some matches with the Insane Clown Posse. Um, he also had a match with where Kevin Nash was, I believe, the referee. Or he refereed a Kevin Nash match. And then that ended up turning into a feud which he had with Kevin Nash. Now, here's the one thing I will I will say. And then he also went back to Japan again. There was a feud he had. I don't even know if it was towards the end of his career, but it was in Canada. And he was having it with... Help me out here, bud. Uh, Hannibal. Stumbag Hannibal. Hannibal. So, and I believe it was Great North Wrestling. Yeah. So what had happened was Hannibal, Devin Nichols, who... Once again, I don't know a ton about him. I believe he is the owner or the proprietor of Great North Wrestling or one of the owners. It's his promotion. It's his promotion. Okay. So he was bringing in Terry Funk. And so wanting to build this match up, right? They had a press conference. And they had a press conference of Terry coming into Great North Wrestling. And I want to say, if memory serves me correct, they were presenting Terry with some type of an award. Again, my memory is totally sketchy on this. Um, but Hannibal ended up taking this glass framed, whatever it was, an award, you know, recognition, and bashing it over Terry's head. Well, well, it got a little out of hand. 
Terry got hurt pretty bad. He got bruised up. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he might even had a busted eardrum. That's right. Bad. Really bad. Um, and we'll do an episode on Devin Nichols as well. No, we we'll- won't. <laughs> The butt wants to talk about him. No, we won't. That you gotta bring he fuck him. He's so so what ended up happening was there was a feud there, and I don't think it was handled very well. I think it was very unprofessional. Um to my knowledge, Devin Nichols also had some promotions. So getting off of Terry Funk here for a second, where there was some work shoot things that happened. I believe Honky Tonk was involved at one time. The late um, leaping Lanny Poffo, there was a situation allegedly with him. So, anyway, uh, Terry was back on the independence and he ended up going back to Tokyo as well. And uh, he had teamed up with uh, Funaki, Mil Mascaris, um, Kaz Hayashi. If you remember WCW, he was one of their cruiserweights. So, he had a lot of matches over there as well. And, uh, it was good. It was good. Funk had his last USA championship wrestling match in Jackson, Tennessee, back in 2016. And uh, do you know who he had his match with? No. Jerry Lawler. They went back. They rekindled their feud. And uh, they had a match again. Funk officially announced his retirement at House of Hardcore, which is a Tommy Dreamer promotion, in 2017. Funk made another return to wrestling on September 22nd, 2017 for Big Time Wrestling, which is in Raleigh, North Carolina. He teamed up with the Rock and Roll Express in a six-man against Doug Gilbert, Jerry Lawler, and Brian Christopher, who was um, Grandmaster Sexay. Um, Funk also married his wife on August the 14th, 1965. Her name was Vicky. They had two daughters together, Stacy and Brandy. For many years, Terry owned... Uh, his ranch in Texas, but it was later sold. Unfortunately, Vicky lost her life on March 29, 2019. That was confirmed by good friend uh, Ted DiBiase. Um, very, very sad. So 2019. Unfortunately, Terry had some health issues as well and was not able to take care of himself. Uh, I do believe from what I've heard that he went into a local convalescent home. And... He, he, he just permanently stayed. And there were some issues with memory as well. And Terry Funk uh, passed away this week. So, very, very sad. But if we focus on the positives, Terry did so many great things in wrestling. Um, he bridged so many gaps from wrestling fans. I mean, my God. You know, when you start with your father in 1960s and you wrestle till 2017... It's 2023, you guys. It's not that long ago. Um, It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. But one thing I'd like to bring up. Yes. Terry Funk could wrestle, too. Oh, Terry Funk. Well, I mean, he was a collegiate wrestler as well. He was a People just remember him for the, no, towards the latter end of ECW, a hardcore to death murder. The crazy stuff. Man could wrestle. Amen. He he wasn't just a moron, you know, a mud wrestler. Right. He could wrestle. So no, let, let's not look past that. He, once again, it's a generational thing because in his uh, heyday, shall we say? Yes. Well, we didn't see it. 
No, we didn't. No, you can you can find some of it on Peacock or for us up here, WWE Network. I'm sure if you if you get fussing around on the internet, if you're if you're savvy to that, you can find a lot of it. But he, he wasn't a slouch. No, but let's not think that he couldn't go in the ring. He was a good wrestler. Very much so. Right. He just he could also go the the hardcore route. Such a performer. I mean, in so many ways, when you when you think about the not the level, just the level of violence, you're right, but the realism he brought to it. And he sucked people in. And there's a there's an episode, or not an episode, there's a segment, I should say, on Beyond the Mat when there was a feud between Terry Funk and Cactus Jack and ECW. And what he ended up doing was, I think Cactus Jack uh, threw a chair at Terry that was wrapped in a towel. Well, it caught fire and it hit Terry. And Terry got some pretty nasty burns. And it's it's interesting when you hear the side of Cactus Jack of what happened and how it all played out. It's it's fantastic. It just tells you about their relationship. So what will you, if you said there's one, and this is hard to do, oh, I'm asking for an impossible thing. If you were to say there's one Terry Funk moment, match, thing about him, like what is synonymous when you think of Terry Funk with, with his career? Oh, Mike. Uh, Would it be Egg Sucking Dog with Dusty Rhodes? That was good. Uh, first thing that popped into my head was ECW when they started, started all the fans were firing chairs into the ring. Oh, yes. That, I don't know why, but that's the first thing that popped into my head there. Do you, with Do you know the story Funk, behind that? There's so much that he's done. Yeah, I don't know if you can. And no, I don't really know the story behind that. I'm sure you do, and I'd love to hear it. So it, he basically made an unarm motion, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted someone to throw him a chair. Well, he made that arm motion, and after the first chair came in, everyone started throwing chairs. And they had to come over the PA system, stop throwing the chairs. Really? And they warned Terry never to do that arm motion again, ever. So, But that, like, that is legit the first thing that pops into my head. And was, I didn't see ECW back in its day. Right. So, But that's, that's what I think of. When I think of Terry, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, mystery, but to me, that's an iconic thing for him is he's there and the fans are filling the ring with chairs. It's insane. Right? He He's a guy, unfortunately, that a lot of people don't remember his best work. Yeah. He's from that generation. I agree. You can look up Hulk Hogan's best matches right now. Warrior, Stone Cold, Bret Hart, The Rock, Flair. Da, 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 da. Right. You, you're hard pressed to find a 1960s, 1970s Terry Funk match. I'm sure you can find them. Right. But you know, it's going to look like it was filmed with a potato. So you're not going to see much on it. It's going to be pretty grainy or whatnot. And you're just not going to get the same appreciation for it. 
I agree. Because you just don't get your, your cinematic value to it like we have now. And, yeah, no, and that's unfortunate. It's incredibly unfortunate. Right? He, he's a legend. Well, we all know he's a legend. Yeah, I think that was a pretty stupid thing for me to say. But he's a legend that probably doesn't get talked about enough. And definitely, not a slight, but definitely with your younger generation. Because they don't, they just remember him as being the old guy that was still doing moonsaults. Correct. Chainsaws Charlie coming out with his penny holes on his head and, and a chainsaw that sparked and didn't have actually a chain on it. And, I know. And, and that hokey stuff. And kudos to him. He prolonged his career and made himself a bunch of more money and he got an extra run out of it. So good for him. I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but that wasn't the true Terry Funk, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, but that wasn't the real deal. Do you agree that everything, you know, in a lot of ways is generational? You know, like there are kids today or fans today that don't really know the greats hockey legends and they don't know the great moments because and it's not their fault. They were just born too late and the era they live in, they think is the greatest and this is this. But they don't understand that there was a lineage that got us to where we are here and iconic moments and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess that's just the way, I guess that's just the way it is. I mean, hundred percent The So the wrestlers today are professional athletes period today. Yes. Are 10 times the athletes. They were when you and I were kids. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just the way it is. We know better. They train better. They train yes. properly. Yep. Like in hockey, you hear stories of guys in between periods having a smoke and a beer. You're in the NHL, and you have 20 minutes in between periods, and you're having a smoke or two and a can of beer, and yep. then you go back out. Yep. And you know, the game's over. Cool. Let's head to the strip club and drink a bunch of beer. Yep. Now, no, the guy's like, how many calories and how many carbs are in that can of beer? No, I'll have a water instead. Yep. No, no, we're not going to see the strippers tonight. Let's just go back to our hotel rooms and play video games or something like that. Not that there's anything wrong with any of that. They will live way longer and they will be in way better shape. But it's just things are different. Different. So if you go that route, they're way better athletes now yes nobody in terry's day was doing what's getting done today We're, oh i agree nobody was doing the ricochet stuff could you could you fathom that happening in the 70s absolutely not right. well i mean it just, just, just didn't to, happen just to tell you how okay if we really want to say how memorable something was when and hell, this was in oh god, when was the when was the Jimmy Snooker uh, Don Morocco feud when it was off the top of the cage? Um early to mid eighties. Okay. That looked that is the equivalent of how the McFoley Helena cell is revered now. That was a big deal. That was huge of an aerial move. And that is it, it's insane. But now nowadays, you know, people jump off of steel cages now and you know, all that kind of stuff. But at that point, 
You didn't see that. Never done. And that was incredible. So, it's it's a generational thing, but yes, sorry, I apologize. No, you're fine. Rest in peace, Terry Funk. Um, To all of his fans out there, we we wish them the best. Um, You know, I'm a big believer with my faith. Terry's in no pain right now. He's he's with his wife right now. He's living his best life. Um, Once again, this is just a vessel. We continue on, and uh, it's just the next chapter. Just the next chapter but uh what makes death suck is the people that are left behind Mm -hmm. is is the hard part about it but once again it's not goodbye it's see you later in my opinion i agree so as if the wrestling world uh didn't need to say goodbye to terry funk unfortunately we've said goodbye to somebody else and this one is hard to understand because there's so little information so far coming out on it. Um, But at the time of this recording, we just got word that um, Bray Wyatt has tragically passed away. His name is Wyndham Lawrence Rotunda. And to many WWE Universe fans, he is Bray Wyatt. Um, He is the son of IRS, if you remember that. Uh, he was in the WWF. He was part of Money Incorporated. Um, insane to know that he is he is gone. Um, we're going to give him more time to do an in-depth thing on, on his career. I'm not going to go into a lot right now. I really wanted to give Terry. I want to respect both of them, and I don't want to just seem like I'm throwing it all together at one time. Does that make sense? No, I'm with you 100%. So That's a good call. Yeah, I want I want us to give him his just dues. So a lot of things that people um, may or may not know. I want to wait till a lot of the story comes out. But right now he passed away. Right now we're we're still learning information about what had happened to Bray Wyatt. Um, the internet is an interesting thing because I think in some ways it can be very useful, and in other ways I think it can be very heartbreaking because sometimes people don't know the facts. But um, he has passed away. Now, there is a report that he suffered a heart attack. Um, But once again, can all that be confirmed? I cannot say that. Yeah, I'd rather us not be the the rumor boys. Let's get some facts straight on it. Uh, Just to, dare I say, we would be a little professional for a change. And more importantly, to give him respect he deserves i agree uh, he's 36 years old still a young man in all reality wow. um and it's devastating it's heartbreaking uh you, you feel for his family they've got to be going through i don't know what uh, he was engaged i think he had three children or maybe four yeah he um, recently married jojo offerman who um was a ring announcer for WWE or maybe she still is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of rumor getting thrown around right now. Uh, yeah, I'd rather not go too deep into it. I I don't want to be the people spreading fooey. No, I agree. Um, but once again, we're going to spend some time on our next episode talking about the life and the career 
of Bray Wyatt and everything that he had contributed to wrestling. Um, he had taken some time off from wrestling. You know, last time we saw him was in that Mountain Dew match, and you know, we we affectionately joked about that match. Um, he was with LA Knight, and nothing really came with that, and then he was gone again, and it was believed that he was going to be coming back again. And, uh, you know, for many, many, many months we had heard, was it an injury? Was it an illness? What really was it? There was this, there was this cloak of, of secrecy all around Bray Wyatt. And, um, yeah, your heart goes out. I mean, life was cut way too short. So, all right, take a deep breath. Let's, uh, let's kind of talk about some other things here that I found to be pretty interesting. And I think you'll find it be interesting as well. I know you had mentioned to me, you wanted to talk, uh, so this is kind of associated with the the all-in that's going to be happening at Wembley Stadium. But Ray Phoenix, Butster, give us an update on what's going on with the whole Ray Phoenix situation. Why has he been pulled from that uh, mixed or that that multi-man tag match? So he's pulled from the stadium stampede apparently due to visa issues. Oh. Uh, that's all they're saying. Well, that's all I've read anyhow. So where visa expired, didn't apply for it, it's not coming through in time. I don't know. It's It's pretty sporadic what they're saying now my take on this mike okay you notice this happened it's not like they learned about this this week who i know where is you're the going. knucklehead that didn't look into this yeah boys does everybody have their work visas do you have your ducks in a row are you good here are you good there do you have have and i'm not saying this is what it is so hear me out right could Do you be have though. a criminal record that will not allow you to come in? Do you have shit going on that's going to cause us grief? Somebody needs to take the reins on that and get all that lined up. You're announcing a match, a very big match, the biggest pay-per-view of your organization. 90,000 tickets sold, allegedly. Ray Phoenix is a big deal. He's a huge deal. And what are we, less than two weeks before the show, they come out and say, yeah, he won't be there because of visa issues. Come on off. Like, that's shit that's got to be buttoned up months ago. It's not like they just threw all this uh, Wembley Stadium together in the last month. This has been getting worked on long before any of us knew anything about it. Amen. You got to have that button up. That's a bad look. It's a bad look for Phoenix. It's a bad look for AEW, too. Somebody dropped the ball terribly on that. And it's unfortunate because I love Ray Phoenix. You know I love Ray Phoenix. And you love Ray Phoenix. He's a great performer. He is. But when you lose him to something, to a match, could you imagine the stuff he's going to pull off in a stadium stampede? He would like have. He could have done something just stupid that we've never thought of in the world, and be like, "Wow, that's ridiculous." No, and we're the, gonna lose that because of what? paperwork. Yeah, come on, do better. You have AEW. I'm not beating up on you, but you got to do better on this. That should have been addressed months ago. Yeah, that's a that's a shame. Um, for those of you who watched Dynamite this past week, you saw that 
he had a match with John Moxley, which actually was a great match. Um, and unfortunately he was, you know, attacked and that's the way they kind of wrote him off of television right now and that he's out of it. Um, yeah, not, not something that should have happened, but he's been replaced and we're going to go over the whole card coming up here and everything that we've got so far. I have my own opinions on how many multi-person matches there are versus singles. Now, some people may say, well, who the hell cares? I really like singles matches. Multi-man matches for a tag or maybe for an attraction match, but not a lot of them. I know they were trying to get people on the card, and so I understand it from that perspective logistically. But you got to think, and you talked. You were you were saying this when it was first announced because you were the one who texted me. You said uh, I, I wasn't watching. I was with my daughter, and uh, she was born. And uh, I often tell you, don't give me spoilers. But and then I finally said, all right, tell me one thing. And you said they announced Wembley Stadium. And the first thing I thought it was Bulldog and Brett. And I was like, wow, that's a a big deal. Like that's a huge undertaking. Like whoa be because you know dynamite in collision they're getting between three and five thousand fans realistically but to get down to that much now three and three and five thousand it's all they're pulling in that's what they're averaging right now between three and five thousand and right now the cincinnati show um which i will unfortunately not be going to um will be it looks like it's even less than that right now so we'll, we'll get to that but Ray Phoenix is great. He had a great match with, uh, I believe it was Commander, on Rampage uh, last week's edition, which was awesome. And I know that a lot of people, the knock on AEW is the flippy-dippy stuff, you know, the Young Bucks and all that kind of stuff. Here's the one thing I'm going to tell a lot of people, and this is going to sound really wrong for me to say this, but follow me on this. The American wrestling flippy-dippy stuff Sometimes it's too much, but that is very integral in Mexican wrestling. Like that's not flippy dippy. That's their standard. That's what they do. Um, in Japan, they lay it in really, really hard. That's what they do. Now, when I see people in the United States doing some of those things as well, I think people don't necessarily like it. They like the more standard, you know, chin lock and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I feel like sometimes it's an unfair criticism to AEW, but you also have to look at AEW. A lot of their roster is around 200 pounds, maybe a little over 200 pounds, but they're not the giants. They're not that big. I mean, MJF isn't big. Adam Cole isn't big. The Young Bucks aren't very big. Hangman Adam Page isn't all that big. Kenny Omega is not all that big. Um, Commander's the size of a seventh grader. <laughs> he he is. He's he's not that big. Um, so when you think about it, it just kind of fits that whole style of wrestling. And a lot of people say it's indie rific. If you hear that phrase a lot, well, that's what they do on the indies. They're trying to pop the crowd. They're trying to you know do something that's going to get them on the. YouTube or it's going to get so many likes on the Twitter and all that or X or whatever the hell it's called, but it is what it is, right? I mean, we can talk about liking or not liking it, 
but it's here. And I love the young bucks. I love what they do. I think it's just boom, 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 boom. It's so fluid, but yeah, not having it together. I'd like to know what the whole story with Ray is because he adds a lot to a show and to take him out of it really is a bummer. Um, so, but well, let's kind of leaves Penta in no man's land as well. It, 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 it really I mean, deal. That's how it works. It is. Now I will say Penta is a really good singles wrestler as well. But when you look at, like you said, the package, it, it's really the Lucha brothers mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, they play off of each other. So this is how I see where something went wrong. Okay. We're doing Wembley. Ray Phoenix. He's one of the bigger names in the Federation. Is, is that fair to say? Yes, he is. So you, you know, there's a fair chance he's going to be there. But even three months ago, they had a pretty good idea of the direction they were going to go. I would and agree. he's coming from Mexico because he lives in Mexico still. Correct. I, I believe. So he's traveling from Mexico to the States. So, you know, you need visas for that. Yes. Would you not, whoever would be taking care of this, whether it be booking or legal or I, I don't know who it looks after, goes to him like, okay, you, do you have a passport or, or a visa or whatever you need to get into England, like to, to work in England? If you have a passport, you can travel anywhere. Right. You know, to, to work in England. Yes. Okay, we're good. Get me that information because we need to fulfill this because I'm sure there's a ton of paperwork that's got to be done. It's not like you can just jump aboard a plane and show up like, hey, we're wrestling here tonight. I would assume there's a fair bit goes into it. Maybe not. Maybe I'm completely talking on my hind end. But I would imagine there's a lot of planning that has to go into it to get licensing or permits or stuff like that. So somebody... In the office at AEW, at some point, dropped the ball here somewhere. Yeah. They did not follow through on everything. Does he not have a work visa to where he can't get into the States? Or not to the States, sorry, into England? Maybe. Right? It could be something as simple as that. It could be something, maybe paperwork got hung up, because that happens. Yeah. When we're talking applying for paperwork, it's got to go through different governments and agencies and stuff. Easy enough. That could totally happen. Maybe it was as simple as there was a miscommunication. That could happen. But at the end of the day, somebody at AEW's got to have all that buttoned up well before, you know, okay, we'll put in the application now and we'll announce that you're going to be there and hopefully it comes through. You can't do that. You got to have all those ducks in a row months ago just to be sure because. It's a bad look. It makes you look unprofessional. It does. I agree. I mean, come on. You're already trying to catch on. You're trying to get more exposure. You're, you know, doing the possibly one of the biggest wrestling events ever. Oh, 90,000 seats, super show, whatever you want to call it. It's AEW's biggest event they've ever had. Uh huh. And it just gives it a little bit of a black eye. It does. That's all. It it should have been handled a little bit better. They should have buttoned it up. 
Yeah, you're yeah. not going to hear me disagree with that. I agree 100% with that. Right, so. so many is a boot nurse over this. Yeah, people, I don't think, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people look at AEW, and for what it's worth, they look at it as a second-tier promotion, not because it doesn't have talent. Not the case. It's a top-tier company with talent. I think it's because of who runs it. And I used to be such a, a Tony Khan, you know, I used to be in his corner all the time and, and defending it. And But I am starting to see that there's a lot of things, at least, that have been leaked out, whether they're true or not. That This is all we can go on is what we hear. But once again, we talked about this. It's somewhere in the middle, right? Issues with being a manager of a company, a boss, wanting to placate people, wanting to tell people what they want to hear. Um, not to say it's bad to be a fan, but you got to turn your fanboy off when you're doing business. And he has a hard time separating that. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that just kind of turns into a big quagmire. And he's got a lot of money. And you know, the big knock was he was just a rich kid who had a bunch of money who wanted to start a wrestling company. And I thought to myself, well, you know, that's not really fair to say to somebody, right? Wrestling was a passion to him. You know, he's turned AEW into a, a profitable company. But the more you see the way he acts and you see some of the tweets and you see all these other things happening, you start to get a better idea of, I probably wouldn't have done that if I was the boss. Or, you know, the reason why, and, and for all the things that I don't like about Vince McMahon, and I know you don't like about Vince McMahon, the one thing that he kept was, shut your mouth, keep your nose clean, what I say goes, you keep stuff in-house. And he would drop the hammer on you if if any of that stuff didn't happen. You don't hear that with AEW. AEW, for as great as it is for people who don't get an opportunity to go to WWE or get cut by WWE, they don't really have very tight reins on what can and can't be said. Does that make sense? Like social media or airing your grievances or doing cryptic tweets or giving interviews with this person or that person or taking digs at this person or that person. It's just, it's not good. And it looks like high school. The inmates are running the asylum. And that's what we saw in WCW. And and I know you had always said, you know, is this going to be WCW 2.0? And God, I hope it isn't because we've waited 20 some odd years to get a second company. And you can't tell me, Mike, it's not it's not teetering. It's um, close. Like it's it's you know, but same deal. No, WCW had Ted Turner, all kinds of money. Uh huh. Right? AEW's got Tony Khan's old man, all kinds of money. You know, Bischoff was a little green when he started. Khan is incredibly green, was never in the business whatsoever. At least Bischoff was with, uh, he was with Gagne in AEW, was he not? Uh, AA, yeah, AA, um, AEW, yeah. 
So, you know, he, he was around a bit. Tony Khan didn't. Look, I honestly don't know what Tony Khan's background is. I'm not being smart. I, I don't know. I have no idea what it is. Yeah. I don't know what he did before AEW. Oh, God. Couldn't tell you that. But, you know, and I, I feel bad for saying this, and I feel like I say it every week, and I, I don't like to, but they, they got to get their shit together. Uh-huh. They just stop. Just stop, please. If you're mad at me, it would make no sense for you to cut me up on this show or for me to cut you up. It would be better after for us to talk it out, curse each other out, nope. have a full-on fuck you contest. That would make better sense than to do it on our little tiny podcast. Now, if you're coming on, you know, TNT or TSN up here, and you're being a knucklehead, or you're saying stuff after a pay-per-view, or you've got hundreds of thousands of followers and you're putting up a stupid tweet, come on off it. Nobody's going to take you serious. And it looks poorly on the company. So the talent looks like a moron. You look like a child. Yeah. The Federation looks poorly run. Looks like a romper room. Do it all you want here. We don't give a fuck. Say this. Say that. Do this. Do that. Whatever. You can get away with it. We're not going to say nothing to you. Which is what happens. And it doesn't. And you want to. You want to get a TV deal. You know, to where you're making money. And, and kudos to you. There, we all want to make money. I'm never going to fault somebody for that. But would you not be further ahead if you're looked at as professional, well-run, no nonsense and bullshit? There's nonsense in every sport. Sure, I agree. In every place of business. Period. I don't care if you're a wrestler, you're you know, a professional soccer player, you know, you're a teacher, you know, you're... You're a contractor, you're a carpenter, you're you make coffees for a living. Doesn't make any difference. There's always gonna be something. Just the way it is. You gotta go about it properly. Yep. You couldn't come out tomorrow or tonight on Twitter and post such and such a school board is run by an asshole. No, no way. Because you're gonna be gassed tomorrow by lunch. It's over. It's over. Yeah. And you deserve it. That's just the way it is. Or you come up, Mr. So-and-so doesn't listen. He's a fucking moron. He doesn't know how to teach his class. Da, da, da. Not yet. You're fired. Curtains. You're done. And you deserve it. I can't come out and, and criticize my employer. No way. Done. And that's the way it should be. You know, if you got an issue, go to HR. Go to that other employee. No management, whatever it would be, you don't put it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, well, okay. TV, let me, whatever. Let me ask you this question. So we're going on a year now. And God knows we've talked about the, the all-out brawl. Allegedly, Punk says he wants to sit down and talk to the Bucks. Allegedly. So let's just go with that. Mm -hmm. What would prevent the Bucks from just saying, fine, let's sit down? 
Because the whole reason behind this is because they're friends with Cole Cabana. They're really good friends with Cole Cabana. I mean, super tight. They were on the Indies together, Ring of Honor, the whole nine yards. Punk had a really bad situation with Colt. I have no idea what really was the truth, what wasn't the truth. They were sticking up for Colt. Um, He was pissed that they were talking about Colt and then dragging Punk's name into it. That's why Punk went off on that press conference. I'm not condoning it. Um, But why would you not want to sit down? Let's let, sit down. Say what you have to say. Get it off your chest. I'm going to say what I have to say. Get it off my chest. Immaturity. Why, why, I w- but, but see, that's sad. Dick swinging contest. Why? Well, I'm, I'm a bigger deal than you are, so oh, you go to hell. Hey, I'm not saying it's right. No, I, I isn't that sad. what it looks like? It it does. It looks like you said something that I didn't like or whatever. It's just fuck. Okay. It's you sad. Hurt my feelings. Big deal. Listen, this is how this is legit how far I would take it. And I've been down this road doing taking care of sports when I was younger. Hockey, boxing, mainly. You close the room, you talk it out. Right. You argue, you curse, you swear. If it comes down to it, fist the cuff. Beat the crap out of each other. But once you walk out that door, it's fucking over. But get it over with. You can't come out on TV. And make a snide comment towards him. Now, if you're trying to work it into a story, that's one thing. But this is not that case. No. The punk was on collision a couple weeks ago, making smart comments towards Hangman Page. Right. I read about why. You just want to keep poking the bear. Oh, I want to sit down and talk it out, and we're all going to be buddies and get this resolved. Oh, I think I'll be a bit of a dickhead tonight after the show and make some snide comments for everybody to talk about tomorrow. But you know, I'm a good guy. I want us to sort all this out, but I'm going to cut you up. That's terrible for him. And he's a veteran that's been around forever. But at the same time, the Bucks are not angels in this either. There's nobody's angels in it. They all, no. They're all morons. It's really. a shame. It's a shame it's gotten to this point, right. though. It's a real shame. And they're all world-class talent. They're very good. And boys, come on. Work out your shit. You don't got to be buddies. You don't got to go for dinner tonight. Go to one another's house and have some beers and a barbecue and watch TV. No. But be professionals about it. You know, look at it for the betterment of the company, the betterment of yourself. You know, So you don't look like a fool. You know, get yourself into a good program that might make you a little extra cash. Look at it from that standpoint alone. You know, generally speaking, you'll put up with a fair bit of guff if you're going to make money out of it. Right? I don't know. It it just looks bad all around. But it's not just the talent that's involved, Mike. It makes the rest of the talent look bad. Oh, you're in AEW? Yeah, that's a fucking gong show. Nobody can get along. Guilty it's run to drizzling shits. You yep. know, you can do whatever you want there. It's just romper room. That's that's terrible. And you got to think when talent comes up, will it be somebody released from WWE, MLW, TNA, so on and so forth? You mean to tell me they don't know what's going on? Hey, if I go to AEW, I can get away with a lot of crap. 
Yeah, you might get some extra talent signed, but it's not going to help because they know he can do whatever the hell they want. Right. It's not this is a secret. We're not industry insiders, you and I. You, you can Google this very easily. That's not a good image. You don't it's want not. it. I agree. And they, they just got to get that crap sorted out. Uh, we've we've beat this dead horse out how many times. But but here's and the big it's question. it's so unfortunate. Okay, let me ask you this then. But how does it change? Tony Khan needs to put his boot in somebody's ass. Will he do that, though? No. No. Nope. He's, he's not going to do that because here's what I'm going to tell you. If it's not in your demeanor to be, I'm going to set the law. I'm going to put my foot down. If it's not who you are, it's very difficult for people to do that. Yep. Very difficult for people to do that. Um, the only time people who put their foot down is if they feel like they've been disrespected. I don't know if Tony necessarily feels that way yet. How does he not, Mike? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, hey, listen. Come on. Nobody's listening to me. Everybody thinks I'm a joke because I let you knuckleheads do whatever you want. Oh, but you're not disrespecting me. Come on, Offit. Even Stevie Wonder can see that. I, I don't know, Mike. It's a bad look. He he needs to get out of it. Another thing we've said umpteen times. He needs to get out of it. Stay around, but he cannot be Booker Man. He cannot be Talent Relations. He cannot be the end-all, be-all, final say. I he's always... Not, he's not Vince McMahon. I'm sorry. I know you don't fancy Vince McMahon. No, but Vince has... And Vince the, has done stuff, and he's made bad choices. Vince's so DNA so is in the industry. Exactly. Tony he Khan knows it. It's in his family. Um, no, I agree 100% with what you're saying before. I, I always thought that Tony should have, when he started a company, hired the best and the brightest to put this company together and should be the the silent voice. You know what I mean? The, the, the owner, if you will. Hire someone to do talent relations. Hire somebody to do um, the writing, the booking, all that kind of stuff. Like, What would prevent you from finding a wealth of knowledge out there that could be doing these things. And I feel, I feel like he's missing out on a lot of things. And unfortunately, but where we're at, the company's been around for five years. That horse has left the barn. Yeah. Can't couldn't put him back in. But look at the people he has there to help him. Oh, I know you got Jericho, the Brian Danielson. I don't know. Jake Roberts gave an interview and he said that he has begged to be a part of creative process. And I don't know if he's necessarily being incorporated. You have you have Jake Roberts, you have Arn Anderson, okay? Those two guys. You got Dean Malenko, you got Jerry, um, you got Brian Danielson, who is working on creative as well. You're trying to tell me that there's not enough people that you can go to and say, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that? People who, and I think Brian Danielson, to be honest with you, is going to be AEW for a very long time, even when he retires, mm -hmm. because I think he is such well, so well respected that he may integrate himself into the creative department as well. But um, I don't know. I don't know how that, that happens. I mean, if I was starting a car company, I don't know shit about cars. 
Mm. My good buddy of mine, Pete, he's a certified mechanic. I'd bring him in. He'd be my head guy. Yeah. But don't forget, they also got Billy Gunn there. You do. They got Dustin Gunn. Rhodes there. Do you think, okay, Come let me ask on. you, do you think some of these guys want to be involved or they just want to collect a paycheck? That's something else you have to take in consideration. Hey, will you be part of this? Will you be part of that? Not really. I just want to be a contracted whatever. You have to take into consideration. Well, maybe, and that could be the case. They don't but want to be a part of it. Those guys are all long-time veterans. Like, they are long veterans, yes. Come on. They've been down this road. I don't. I would be surprised if that's the case. It could be. I don't know. I would be surprised if it's a case of, listen, man, I'm just here for a paycheck. Just, no, I'm not doing creative. No, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm just here. Maybe it could be, but that's a lot of great minds. Yeah. A lot of experience, been down a lot of roads. I don't know, man. Like, I would like to think that that's not the case. I don't know. They, they need somebody, or, and it can even be a locker room guy. Don't forget WWE F had The Undertaker. Yep. He sorted everything out. Right. Do they need somebody like that as well? Just you know, times have changed, so you can't really do that anymore. Unless you can grab somebody and slap the piss out of them and sort them out. That's bad now. Right or wrong. Whatever. That's another conversation we can have. But they, they need something because everybody's doing whatever they want. They're just getting away with it. And right. they, they can't have that. No business can. That's not just AEW. No. no business can just have it's business in general. They do whatever they want because it hurts. Yeah, it's all well and good. Go to work tomorrow, do nothing, laze around, get my paycheck. Yeah, that's great. But the company's going to suffer sooner or later. And guess what? Because <laughs> you're a lazy ass and you've done nothing for the last six months, you're getting fired. Yeah. Or the company's gone tits up. But hey, you had six months of coasting doing nothing. Hope you saved some of your money. I don't know. Well, it's going to be interesting because at some point in time, you know, whether they get the TV deal, whether they don't get the TV deal, um, it'll be interesting also to see how many people, when their contracts are up, are wanting to leave. That's a big thing, too. So if we start seeing people wanting to leave AEW to go to WWE or somewhere else, I'd like to to hear maybe some of the reasons as to why they leave. Not just, you know, creative or, you know, I don't have anything here, but just the the camaraderie. Uh, Chris Jericho gave an interview and they brought up, you know, it's almost been a year since it. And he said the, the all out brawl or brawl out, whatever they're referring it to. No, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was blown out of proportion. The dirt sheet writers, the wrestling media, they all like to make something more than what it really is. So they have content to talk about. Our locker room is more galvanized than ever. But he's giving the company answer because that's what he that's what he's known for doing. That he's it's ingrained in him. Plus, I think he has a pretty good work ethic. So he's gonna be the company guy carrying the flag and waving it. Um yeah, I'm just super curious to see how many people opt to leave, even if they have good amount of money on the table. You know, you heard the Bucks and Hangman and Kenny. Uh, they actually went back and forth whether they were going to stay with AEW or leave. Mm -hmm. 
and they finally took a vote. And evidently WWE wanted Kenny and potentially the Young Bucks, but they did not have, I guess, interest in Adam Hangman Page. But the elite made a decision that once they left Ring of Honor and New Japan, that they were going to stay together as a group until the very end. So they said, we're, you know, if they don't take all of us, then we're all going to stay here together. But I mean, the fact that they even considered it, you know, kind of tells you, and, and they are the elite in all elite wrestling. I mean, yep. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, that shocks me that WWE wasn't interested in Hangman. He's the first one I'd go after. Dude, first he's man. so he's so young. He's so talented. I think he's very versatile. Um, he can has a great ground game, but he also can be a high flyer. He could talk on the mic. Um, he's very relatable to the audience as well as every man's man. I think that's a big thing as well, being relatable to your audience. That's what got Stone Cold Steve Austin over. He was relatable. So, you know, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, they're staying, and we'll see what happens. Um, AEW is just one of those things that you just have to – you can't not watch it because you don't know what the shit's going to happen next. It's almost kind of like, well, what's going to happen now? You know, there, there's – there's so many things that were going on, and, and we said we weren't going to necessarily mention this right now, but with with the CM Punk situation, and that, that's been talked about until we were blue in the face, but I mean, just the most recent things about how there is this belief that he has some level, now to what extent, I don't know, um, of authority over collision. Um, and, you know, because his guy, A. Steele, is not permitted to be there. He does not think that the head of talent relations, Christopher Daniels, should be there either. So he was able he was able to send him home. Um, how does I don't even understand. Mike, I don't even understand. Tonight. How the hell does that happen? How again? If it's true. And there has been some reports that Punk has openly, you know, talked to people and said, you know, I am the reason why um, Daniels got sent home because I'm still upset about Ace Steel. You know, and also, you know, Ace Steel even being brought back. I mean, he's a part of a fight and he bit somebody. And I mean, at this point in time, would AEW really suffer if there was no Ace Steel period? Absolutely not. But he's Punk's buddy. And because Punk is in good with the boss, which that shocks the shit out of me, especially if you watch that press conference and you just fully on the the brawl out press conference and you just focus on Tony. Don't look at Punk when he's eating his muffins and drinking his soft drinks. Look at Tony's face. And there are comments that Punk makes and you're like, he does one of these. He rolls his eyes. He looks up. I don't get it, but we'll get into that another time as well. But it's sad if that is necessarily the truth. Let's let's talk about something here that isn't sad. Let's talk about something that might actually be the hottest thing going in wrestling today, and that's LA Knight. Uh, LA Knight has burst on the scene in WWE ever since uh, he had left NXT, and he had kind of dropped the maximum male models shtick, and he is now basically on his own. A lot of people have said that, they, he's very reminiscent of the Rock and Stone Cold. We talked about that months ago. But right now, he is very over with the audience. 
The big question is, with Roman Reigns being a big, the bloodline being something people talk about, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens people are talking about, could possibly LA Knight be the biggest attraction in WWE? Now, the butt researched this, and he, he brought this topic up, so I'm going to give him full credit on this one. Butster, let me ask you this. Do you think right now the LA Knight bandwagon is really going to start picking up momentum, and, and he's going to be the guy? He is white hot right now. And we've gone back and forth on this, and, I, and I've gone back and forth with this off air, just mulling over myself. I think they'd be foolish not not to get on board with him right now. And that pains me to say that means Cody's probably going to get bumped on a wrong. I will go this far, Mike. Dare I say, he is the hottest thing in North American wrestling right now. It's a ballsy WWE, comment. AEW, TNA, MLW, Ring of Honor, I don't care. I think he is. I think he is that over right now. He is that hot. He can do no wrong. Is he taking a little bit from The Rock? Yep. A little bit from Stone Cold? Yep. Absolutely he is, and there's not a damn thing wrong with that. It's been done forever. We've had this conversation as well. He's it. He's everything right now. He's everything you want. They would be foolish not to ride this out. This might not last long. Or it could turn into another Kofi Kingston, Noah Sami Zayn, an American Dragon, Brian Danielson. It could easily turn into that. And I think that is the trajectory. Look at that word. Trajectory. I like That's that. on. I can't even say it right. But I think that is where it's going. Okay. Well, okay. So let me ask you this question. So you, you had made some great points here. You, you talked about Kofi Mania. And a lot of people, I did not get it. I did not understand it. But guess what? It doesn't matter what I understand or don't. People were buying into Kofi Kingston. And I can tell you, for me, Kofi Kingston was a mid-carder. What he is, he is a part of a trio. The WWE champion, that was a stretch. But the fans got behind it. The fans got behind it. But then when he got squashed, I want to say it was like 14 seconds or something by Brock Lesnar, and it was over. That if a guy was worthy enough to hold your championship, the most prestigious championship, and let, let, let's clear this up here. The WWE title is the biggest title in all pro wrestling. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. If he was good enough to win your championship and to push merchandise and sales and tickets and get kids involved and people are wearing the unicorn on their head and they're throwing pancakes and they're eating cereal and whatever, you're, you're really going to disrespect the dude by getting him squashed in 14 seconds. Like I get it. Brock Lesnar, he squashes people, but you can't give the guy a fucking match. Yeah. You can't that, make that wasn't good. They, I think what I, the... my opinion on that is WWE is like, okay, cool. We've had our, we've played our little game. Yep. We got Kofi mania. We got some extra bucks out of it. He's over, but Brock is a meal ticket 
you know, Kofi's going to be a short run. Brock, we can, you know, get on board and get years out of him and get more out of it. So let's just end this now, put it back on Brock because we know what we have here. But you couldn't let Kofi get his shit in. You couldn't let yeah. Kofi have his moments. You couldn't. You see what I'm trying to say? It's like, okay, we get it. You're going to end the title reign. That's fine. But have a match that's suitable for a guy who's the fucking champion. And if you are going to disrespect the champion, then it really makes the belt look look bad. And it also looks like there's the good old boy network, which only a certain handful of people are going to get to wear that. Well, it is the good old boy network. We, we know that. Everybody knows that. That's another conversation. Uh, I I assume their their thought process is let's make Brock, our new champion, look like that much of a beast. Not that he wasn't already. But that's my point. He already was. He's been a beast since 2002. Bring him in. He just totally crushes our champion. Look how dominant he still is. I... I'm to sure dominate Kofi Kingston's not really saying a whole hell of a lot. No it offense when, to Kofi. When Kofi is is your ride at that point. I mean, it was they, David versus there was still There was still life left in Kofi. They could have kept riding that for a bit. That wasn't done. It's not like the fans that turned on him. Fans were still well behind him. They could have got more time out of that. I, I don't know. Maybe Bruce just got tired of it. Got bored with it and wanted to go a different direction. Who knows? Do you? That was one where the ball did get dropped. Fine. If 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 Kofi Mania was tailing off, and you wanted to go another direction, which no, it happens with everybody. It right. always happens. That's how it goes. To just have him get crushed, like you said, just squashed. I don't. Know. He probably deserved better. I'm just more thinking maybe their thought process on is have our new champion come in and just destroy the old champion and just makes him look a little more dominant. I don't know. I'm completely making that up off the top of my head. That was their thought behind it. Kofi deserved a little better than that though. Personally, he did. He absolutely did. Um, why that happened. I have no idea. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's he had scratcher. It is a head scratcher. He won the WWE Championship uh, at WrestleMania 35, which is 2019. So that's a few years ago now. But um, you know what? Let's let's focus back on LA Knight here. So LA Knight's the hot thing right now. We don't want to see him turn into Kofi. We don't want to see him become a flash in the pan type of guy, which I, I think you'd have to really screw the pooch to, to make that happen because he seems very dedicated to the character. He doesn't seem like he's a guy who is going to get in trouble with the law or be a, a, a black eye for PR. So it's almost kind of like you got a really good guy here in Sean Rickers who's going to put the company first. And I, I mean, I hate to say this. He's, he's not a spring chicken either. Okay, he's 40, 41. And but I mean, if you can get a couple of year run out of him, that's a big thing. I mean, a lot of people think Stone Cold Steve Austin was like this huge thing for many, many years in WWE. And he wasn't. He was probably one of their main guys for three years. He's looked at as an all time great. Absolutely. Because really, when you think about when he started to rise was in 97 and 97, 98, 99, 2000s. Um, 
maybe a little longer than three years. I would go three to five years when he was really his his peak. But then he, you know, had the double knee injury or the double knee issues, and he really wasn't as as much as he was. And then he became the guy that was riding the four wheeler and drinking beers. So he was an attraction, not not so much a wrestler at that point. But LA Knight is somebody that they could definitely springboard from. And I think that I think what WWE needs to do, and maybe this is just me, but as long as this Roman Reigns title reign has been going, you are, and you said you said this for weeks now, what's next? You have to be looking at what's after Roman. And this is a perfect scenario. This is a perfect guy that you could go to. I think that you have to, if I'm if I'm booking things, you got to have him win the World Heavyweight Championship first and be the face of Raw. Continue that ascent. And then you eventually have to have him show up on a SmackDown and look at Roman if that's really what you want to do. Now, there's been rumors online that the WrestleMania 40 uh, main event has been leaked already. Had you heard about any of that? No, I have not. I'm going to pull this up here in my notes section and find out what I have here. Um, Bear with me for a second. There we go. Where is this at? Okay, here we go. Um, once again, who, de- depends on who you want to believe. This is from Give Me Sports. Um, it says, and I quote, Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes had an epic battle at WrestleMania 39, but fans believe that Rhodes' story wasn't quite over yet, and Rose, Rhodes agreed. A port recently claimed that Triple H is planning on having the pair do battle once again in the main event uh, at WrestleMania 40. However, the report does... Uh, go over that there is still six months from now before the big event, and things can definitely change and go in a new direction. Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns uh, have been tearing the house down most recently. Um, so they do believe that that is going to be the main event. That should not be a shocker to anyone. Um, I don't know where they got the idea that it got leaked. I don't get that aspect of it. But I think from a perspective of, Go with what's working. You know, Cody is hot, but you you brought up a really good point. A really good point. Yeah, you have the plan, but sometimes things happen along the way, right? And is LA Knight hotter right now? And, I mean, the butt thinks that he definitely is. Love to know what your thoughts are as well. Do you think LA Knight is right now the biggest draw in WWE? Or do you feel like... Uh, he's getting there, but he's not quite at Cody's level. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with either guy for the main event for WrestleMania. But once again, you got to be looking at who is next. Now, there has been talk about maybe having Roman Reigns have the championship for the longest ever. And the longest ever was seven years. <sighs> now, I know Paul Heyman has said, when it comes to the storyline, we're only in the top of the third inning. Um, then we need to call the game due to rain because at the end of the day, my friend, 
it's been great, but you and I talked about it after the Sammy thing ended, things really slowed down. Yeah. Now I get it. The inner internal strife between um, the brothers and the brothers have been going back and forth. Right. And the reason why they said when I guess it was Jay Uso who was wrestling Roman Reigns, why Jimmy interfered to prevent him from winning the championship. This is what they were saying that he didn't want him to become this monster that Roman was, he was, he was safeguarding him from becoming what he hated, which I, I don't agree with whatsoever. But then again, I also never thought that he was going to win the championship or win the match. But I mean, yeah, you got solo Sokoa and you got these guys, but let's be honest, wrestling fans, you have pulled their attention as long as you're going to. You have, my daughter is five months old. I can sing, I can dance, I can make her laugh, she can giggle. But there's a point in time when daddy can't make her laugh anymore because she's had enough and she'd like to move on to another toy to play with. Yep. It's just shelf life. I don't think you can keep pulling more stuff out of this. Um, But I guess we'll see. They've had a good run with the bloodline. It's been a great run. A Sorry. great and run. It's been very entertaining. But it's it's tailing off. If if Heyman thinks this is only the third third inning, oh my god! I don't I don't have another how many years to watch that. Doesn't that mean we get another five years of this or something like that? I mean, that's a lot. What can you do to go with one story for that many years in today's day and age? I don't think you can. I, you know, I'd like to look back at what the, what was the storyline? Um, was it Pedro Morales who had the longest WWE championship reign of all time? Was it Bruno? Maybe it was Bruno. Let me see here. <laughs> it's funny, like my computer now already knows when I type something in, it's related to wrestling. Goodness. Okay, here we go. Uh, longest reigns. Okay, Pedro Morales. Uh, Pedro Morales had it for one thousand twenty-seven days. Bruno San Martino for one thousand two hundred and thirty-seven. So, did we do the math on that? I think we did. I think we had an episode where we did math. Yeah, we did. It was. It's ridiculous. Seven years, twelve thirty-seven divided by three sixty-five. Do you guys have three sixty-five in your year? Really, Mike? Are we going to start this again this week? Ah, I'm having fun. Um, no respect for Canada. No, I know I do. We're going to talk about Canada in a second here because very, very excited about what could potentially be coming out of Canada. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's very interesting to see where they're going to go with. I would love to see them go with LA Knight. I think he would be great. But it's six months from now, and if Co- let's think about this, if Cody does get bumped for LA night because LA night is just that friggin' white hot. And you know, they have to go to Cody and go, listen, we get it. We brought you in here to, to, you know, tell your story and do all this kind of stuff. And however, we never expected this to happen. So change of plans. But Cody grew up in, in, in the industry. I'm sure he'd be pissed. I would too, just like you were. But I would like to think he's mature enough and professional enough to be like, yeah, I get it. However, don't, don't forget me. Like, 
I want my belt. Like I, this is what I came back for. But yeah, okay, I'll I'll wait out a little bit longer. Uh, I, would hope, I would hope he he could do that. And I think he would. I think he would do business. I think he would. But once again, I mean, internally, you said before, uh, you'd be pissed. You were brought back. You were made to be this guy. You were built up. You were given a documentary. You were the executive producer on your father's documentary. All of this stuff. And then just to have somebody at the exact same time as you come out in the next Stone Cold of the Rock ends up happening at the same time. Like, what are the odds? It's just like, shit timing. It's shitty. It is shitty timing. But you got the short straw on this because, yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I've had a short straw for my entire life. But uh, we'll leave leave it at that. Oh, Michael. I know. That's genetics. You can't really happen. You can't do much. You're going to blame your dad now? That's not nice. I'm going to blame my dad. I'm going to blame him, too. Maybe he was stubby as well. I don't know. You know? What the hell? What? I had nothing to do with it. Clearly, clearly, it's not like I can say, oh, well, I tell you what, maybe there's something. I'm not like surgery and all that. I'm not into all that kind of stuff. Forget it. Four inches of fury, baby. The best 30 seconds of your life. Um, all right. I want to talk about something that I'm really, really curious to get your opinion on. Because I feel like this could completely kill all of my prior arguments about CM Punk and could completely make me look like a hypocrite. You ready? Let's go. I would be wickedly excited if Edge came to AEW. Not happening. If Edge came to AEW, Edge is 50 right now. Now, here's what I will say. I don't think I don't know if Edge would become a champion or whatever. Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. But there's a lot of conversation right now that the reason why Edge had his last match on SmackDown was because from a contractual standpoint, that was it for him. They were not continuing with the Edge character anymore. That was the final phase out. And that even though his contract doesn't expire until I want to say early part of September, and then he's free and clear. There's nothing else the company wants to use him for. Now, also from what I've heard, Edge said he wanted to stay with WWE in whatever capacity you know they would find for him. And Edge threw out a couple ideas, a couple of numbers as far as compensation, and they graciously declined. Now, did you happen to see Edge's comments? They're streaming on YouTube and whatnot. Fans were in the audience with their phones. Did you hear his comments he gave when SmackDown went off the air? Uh, No, I did not. So Edge addresses uh, the audience, and he says, you know, this is the last time I'm going to be wrestling in front of you guys, at least in WWE. And... You know, he went on to to kind of drop some subtle hints, but it is really taking a life of its own right now. Renee Paquette says she has goosebumps with the concepts that Edge may come into AEW. There is also the thought process of Edge would like to end his career with his best friend Christian since they were kids. He would like to finally put the final, you know, the period at the end of the sentence. Edge and Christian. 
and him coming into AEW might be something almost kind of like a Sting situation. Definitely not as long as the Sting situation, but he would like to do that, and he still feels good. I think there's a, a very good chance that that could happen. I think Tony Khan is very big on nostalgia. I don't think Edge would be the type of guy who would play politics and want to book himself over the younger talent, so it's not an issue with that. I don't think he'd come in to be a champion, but I think he would want to come in to finally you know, have his last match with, uh, with Christian, and I think that would be really cool. And AEW is bigger in Canada than they are in the United States, so maybe that could be something that could happen. I'm not sure. You say no to that. So explain to me why, in your opinion, Edge to AEW has no chance of happening. Well, he came out uh, today on Twitter and posted a video. Edge did. Apparently, he has an offer from WWE sitting in his inbox, and he's not sure if he wants to continue on wrestling or retire again. He's having a hard time making his decision. Oh. So that's right from him. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. It's not his exact words, but it's along those lines. But he does have an offer from WWE. Do you think so. that? Do you think that offer came when all these conversations were happening about maybe him potentially? No, uh, um, that's not the feeling I got from his video. No. All right. Uh, let me see if I can cue this audio up here from um, Edge. So give me a second here. Yeah, it's- I think it's like a minute and a half long. It's not an overly long video. Let's see what I can do here. All right, keep talking. So, no, it's just, I, I would love to see him in his career with Christian. Of course I would. I just don't see it ending in AEW, unfortunately. He's 50. He doesn't need it anymore. He's had a good run. He's had a good career. Uh, I could see him re-signing with WWE. Uh, maybe a, a part-time thing. He's, he's kind of part-time now, but a part, part-time thing. And have a little run like that. That's where I see it going. Hold on a second. Is he drinking out of a Golden Girls mug? I never noticed. Okay. Let me cue this up. This is going to be Edge talking, so... Bear with me here. I'm trying to jury-rig this thing so it sounds good. So here we go. Morning, everybody. Um, that's how I look in the morning. It's not pretty. Um, but I need my coffee for this. So I, I uh, woke up to a bunch of voicemails, texts, and everything from actual like friends and family, you know, wondering what's going on and concerned and blah, blah, blah. So I just figured I'd, I'd better address it. Um, there's nothing going on. Um, there's no hard feelings between me and WWE. I love WWE. You know, it's my dream kick. It's uh, all I ever wanted to do. And uh, I didn't come at them with some crazy contract or anything. They didn't deny me. Um, I have a contract extension sitting in my inbox. Uh, I just don't know what to do. Um, you know, the first time I had to retire, it was forced. And this time, the choice is in my lap, and it's a lot harder. Um, you know, WWE gave me that night, Friday night in Toronto, and it was the best night of my career. 
you know, a lot of people will say you should retire WrestleMania or this or that, but it's not their career. You know, that, that Friday night was, uh, was really special for me. And I don't know if that can be talked to be perfectly honest. And, and if we think we can, then, then great, but I need to sit with it and just know that whatever it is that I do, whether it's Percy Jackson, which is coming up soon, um, (laughs) or it's, uh, wrestling or it's sitting in my rocking chair. Um, it's because I'm having fun and having fun at this stage of my life and raising my kids are the two most important things. So hope that clears stuff up. Um, I'm going to go back to my coffee. See you. Okay. So there it is. Your response. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's not done. He's not running the AEW, I don't think. I think he's made it pretty clear to me he's got an offer. So the rumor, the rumor mongers that were throwing it out there, no, it's it's fooey. Uh, he's got his offer. He like he just said himself, he didn't order not on a, on an out or nothing like that. He's just trying to figure out life right now. Here's 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 why I say he could go. He's having fun right now. He's feeling good. Think about how he could help elevate the next generation of stars in AEW. He could do a great job with that. I mean, wow. And if he's having fun, why not keep having fun? And because he think about it from this perspective. WWE is not going to go with him to being a world champion again. They're not going to make him a tag champion. They're not going to make him an intercontinental champion. He's going to be kind of a novelty where they bring him out almost kind of like the undertaker every once in a while, but he's been there, done that in my opinion, he's done all those things. And I feel like, let's be really honest. I think Sheamus, he might not be long for WWE at some point because they're phasing new people in. They're phasing the old regime out. Um, look what they're doing with NXT. I, I really think there's going to be, again, after WrestleMania, more call-ups. And I feel like, I mean, at 50 years old, what has he not done in WWE? I think he could rejuvenate himself. And he could have uh, a second run of his pro wrestling career doing something different with new people, making it fresh and exciting all over again. And so I definitely think that he could, and I think he will end up showing up. I don't think he's going to be some ambassador. Um, He's definitely not a Mick Foley. You know, I think he's definitely going to do it. I really do. I mean it. So that's my vote. Okay. So two, two takes on that, if I may. One, why would he want to bring himself into the AEW locker room that we spoke about a half hour ago or 45 minutes ago? That's an absolute mess. And two, this, this is my my favorite part of this. I'll bet you a t-shirt that we don't see him there in the next year. You're on. You actually got to pay me for this t-shirt, though. Oh. Oh, so if I lose myself to answer up to my end, yeah, I do. Well, it's it's a two way street. I can't keep picking <laughs> your shirts. Like I'm going to sooner or later want a shirt in return. I know. I love you. I love you. You know that. Um, 
I, you just I, don't I, love me enough to give me a t-shirt that you owe me, but that's okay. Uh, I'm going to take that bet. Okay. I'm going to take that bet because I think it's definitely something that we're going to see. And I'm excited. It'll be fun. I'd love to see him and Christian back together. One more run, my friend. One more run. No, I did not. Um, we wouldn't have a run. It'd be, it'd be a gimmick thing. It'd be a. Uh, no. I don't know. Them versus the Young Bucks. That would be really fun to watch. Them versus FTR. That would be fun to watch. There's a lot of tag. To, them versus Aussie Open would be fun. There's a lot of things that I could see could be a lot of fun and could be very intriguing uh, to them. And I think uh, we might see that. Speaking of somebody who is intriguing, you had brought this up before, Gunther. Gunther. You know, for so many years, we said the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion was the Honky Tonk Man, which obviously Honky was different than Gunther. Gunther is very much, or Walter, whatever you want to call him, is a dominant Intercontinental Champion. Um, He gets the reaction from the audience. He's brought a lot of prestige to the championship. I think he's done wonderful things so far in WWE. I really do. And I think his greatness hasn't even been scratched yet. I think at some point he is going to be the WWE champion, in my opinion. Um, I think the Intercontinental is just a grooming stage, if that makes sense. And I think he definitely will do it. What do you think of the body of work that Gunther has, has laid forth so far as being an Intercontinental champion? Because right now, I'm telling you, I think he's done a spot-on job. He's been okay. Uh, I just I can't get on to Gunther, Walter, bandwagon. I try. Now, what is I, it? I that... watch his match. He just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. It's just I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't wet your whistle. In. No, not at all. I mean, I I preferred him before, honestly, to today's version. You mean the thicker, more heavy set kind yeah. of angry he, German? He looked scared. He looked like he pound you. Now he doesn't. I mean, he's still, don't get me wrong, still a large man. Right. But when he was the thicker, stockier, angry looking dude and he's laying the chops in, it's like, yeah, he'd, he'd beat you up. I, I believe he could beat me into oblivion. I'm not saying Gunther today couldn't beat me into oblivion either. I don't mean it that way, but he just he looked more intimidating, the more menacing, physically imposing than what he did now, than what he does now. Sorry, and I don't know. I I know I'm in the minority on this. Everybody, I think, except for me, thinks he's the cat's meow. So I'm. There's definitely something I'm missing. I'm not paying good enough attention. I don't know what it is. Because everybody seems to love him. Brandon, who's been on this show, my buddy, he thinks Gunther is the cat's meow. Loves him. I know you're high on him. The writ, I know he's high on him. And, and there's me. So I have no, I know it's, this is a me thing. It's not you, it's me. But he just, I don't know, I just cannot get on board. Just, I'm not getting something. Well, you better get on board. 
I'm crying. Because I'm telling you right now, this man is so good and he's talented. And I really love what he's doing with the Imperium. I like him. Again, it's not for everyone, much like Kofi. Kofi wasn't for me. I never liked The Miz being a champion. I thought that was stupid. Um, There were a lot of people that just weren't my cup of tea. But when you look at somebody who's big, who's imposing, who has the career, he's got that, that crowd appeal slash hate. He can talk on the microphone. And I think he's just starting to come into himself as well. And he's starting to become very comfortable. And the more he does that, I think the more the audience is going to get behind him. So I definitely think that he's got, there's a lot of traction going on with Walter. And uh, I like him. I like him a lot. Kind of a man crush, if you will. That's awkward. It is. I apologize. I'll move on. Um, we've talked about so many things. We've talked about, obviously, Gunther, um, who's been a fan favorite. I want to talk about Santana on Ortiz. So I want to talk a little bit about what all that means. So you, you've noticed that uh, Mike Santana has not been around for, it's almost been a year. It might even be a little over a year. Uh, he got injured in the blood and guts that they did at the Daly's place. He tore his ACL. So as many people know, athletes take at least nine months to... I guess sometimes 16 months to actually end up recovering from something like that. Well, you've probably also heard, if you keep up with the podcast, uh, Keeping It 100 with Conan, that they had a falling out, Santana Ortiz. You may say to yourself, well, what happened? Those guys have been in the business together, traveled around, and they're almost like brothers. What? Why? What ended up happening was, and Conan broke this news, he says, and I quote, it breaks my heart. I spent a lot of time with these guys. I feel like they're more like my sons. I heard it almost came to blows between Santa, uh, Santana and Ortiz. Um, and Kingston is very upset about this as well. It just doesn't look good. I really hate seeing these two guys at odds with each other. Had they gone to WWE, they really would have blown it up. But they separated. Santana's contract is coming up, and I do believe he is leaving. Ortiz is a different type of guy. He's very laid back. Santana is a hothead. Ortiz says, hey, they're not doing anything with us. Aren't you upset about that? Santana is very upset about that. But Ortiz says they're not doing something, but they're still pay paying us well and taking care of us. Santana comes back and says they're not doing shit with us. So when it comes to a situation like that, I think it really depends on where you are in your life. Ortiz says, you know what? They're paying me a good paycheck. They're taking care of me. Let this ride out. Wrestling is not a business that many people end up making good money. He's making good money. Even if they're not using you, if you're not in a place to start being picky about how I'm used – I think you're just grateful for the money you have, salt it away, and be happy. But Mike Santana doesn't feel that way. He doesn't feel like they've gotten the push they deserve. They've never been the AEW Tag Team Champions, which I do, I do think is a travesty. Um, he just wants more. He's a very competitive, fiery spirit person. Now we've seen that he's recovered from his injury. 
and we see that he is back in AEW. Now, we don't know if he signed a contract extension or what, but he looks great if you've seen him on Dynamite. And they are now going to be part of the big, I want to say, what is a six-man uh, that's going to be happening at Wembley Stadium. So now they're in the biggest show of all time. Who do you side with more? Are you a Mike Santana guy? Hey, they're not using us. This is BS. You know, I'm not happy. I want to go somewhere where I can be the guy or where we can be the tag team. Or are you more like Ortiz? I know what it's like to eat a can of pork and beans and, you know, sleep in a car and travel up and down the road and not make much money from independence. I'm getting paid and compensated well. My family's taken care of. I'm okay. Um, Where does the butster stand on all this? Uh, where am I in my life? Amen. Before I answer that. Like, me today? Give me the money. Now, me 15 years ago? I probably would have been chasing after the, the prestige more so. But right now, at, at, at me, and this is me personally today in, in my own life, I just give me the money. 44 years old, you know, I, I can, if you're going to pay me well, I'm getting treated well, I'm good. I got no reason to leave. You know, as, and you got to think. As wrestlers, how long is your career? Your, Amen. Your, your true money making career. Amen. Sure, you can kick around till you're 55 or 60. Independence and a show here, show there, autograph circuit, stuff like that, which is fantastic. But your prime money making days, it's, it's a short window. Mm -hmm. It's till what? You're maybe mid 40s? Maybe. Uh, that's probably that, stretching it then. That's probably stretching. I would say probably, I would say your 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 prime is probably twenty five to thirty five, maybe thirty eight. Because the closer you get to forty, they're starting to bring in that next big crop. Yep. So it's you're right. It's not a big window. But how many, how much talent superstars? Where you want to say? Is discovered when they're twenty five to where they're getting the big bucks. A lot of times they're not. They might be getting going, but they're not making the money at that point. True. They're probably still chasing the dream, and it's great to have a dream. I'm not saying who cares about a dream, go get money. Don't take it as that. I don't mean this is an agreed type of thing. But at a certain point, you got to look after your future. These guys are going to be beat up. So it's not like they're going to give up wrestling and take to a, a physical job. Because their bodies are going to be pretty beat up as it is. They're going to have extra medical expenses, especially if you live in the States. You know, up here wouldn't be, it'd be a little bit easier. But, you know, the medical system for you guys is way different than it is for me. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's all where you are in your life to me. If I'm getting towards the, the tail end of my career, or even, even towards the tail end of my prime, but I still got 10, 12, 15 years left in me as a wrestler, independence, so on and so forth. I go after the cash. If I'm a young guy still coming in, yeah, I'd want to chase the prestige to it because I'd, I'd want to be a champion. I Because at that age, you still got that, that machismo. You still want to be a big deal. I want to go down as a legend. 
When somebody opens up my Wikipedia page, I want to see, say, Christopher Butt, AEW champ. But then at certain points, I don't give a damn. I want my bank account healthy. Yeah. I want my house paid for. I want my kids' college paid for. I want to be comfortable. It's all dependent. They're not that old. Santana no. Ortiz. I don't know how old they are, but they're not. They've got a lot of tread left on the tire. But if they leave, what are they going to get? Where are they going to go? If they go to WWE, yeah, it'll make some money. WWE will treat them well. They'll pay them well. And they're not going to go back to the indies. They're not going to go back to bouncing around shows here, shows there for everybody. That's not the money-making racket for them. They're better off at AEW. And depending on the contract, AEW talent can still do indie shows. Can they not? They can. They could at one point. With approval of of Tony Khan, uh, right now Mike Santana is only 32. He's at that age. He's He's still in his prime, like we we just said. He's still in his prime. Uh, it, I don't know. That that's a tough one. At that age, I'd I'd probably still want to be a champion. I think at that age, if it was me, I well, I'd, I'd still want to chase the the glory. And I don't think there's anything wrong with with either answer. I think it depends no. on, like you said before, who are you, and what are your aspirations? What are your goals? Do you have a wife and kids to take care of? Do you not have a wife and kids to take care of? What are your responsibilities? How much are you in debt if you are in debt? Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah, just a lot of factors. And I but I agree with what you said before. You know, as you get older in life, and, and people listening to this, I think you'll you'll relate to this. The older you get, and the butt touched upon it, that machismo starts to go away. I want to be the big fish, I want to be the this, I want to be the that, and that's great. It really is. And and you'll get seen in public and whatnot. But at what point is that truly benefiting you? It's stroking your ego. That's absolutely. But your confidence in your self-worth should not be based upon, nor should it be wrapped up in what other people think of you. It should be based upon how you perceive yourself. And the only opinions that should really matter are the ones that are close to you, your loved ones. Everyone else is just just a nameless face. Um Go after your dreams. You know, you we, we you said this before. We're not we're not supposed to be, you know, dashing your dreams. However, there is an element of reality that comes into play. Um, Kevin Nash had given an interview and he had mentioned Bret Hart, and they called the nickname for Bret Hart was the four hundred thousand dollar champion because as long as he was the champion, he would take the championships over the money. And he would take a low amount. And Kevin Nash said, no way, man. He goes, that's not happening. I'm not going to carry around a gold belt that once I'm dead, they'll remember me after I die. But my legacy is truly with my family. And that's what it should be. So, again, maturity is a factor. Where you're in life is a factor. What your responsibilities are. But if you're getting taken care of by a company and you like the company, and you're having fun with the company, ride that wave. Ride it. Ride it till it's dry. So Even if I'm not having fun, if they're paying me enough, I'll still go to work. Ride it out, baby. No problem. Yeah. 
All right. So, gosh, we've talked about so many things. We want to continue to say thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast is free, absolutely free of charge anywhere where fine podcasts are made available. And in fact, if you're wanting to find our podcast, I'd be more than happy to tell you everywhere where you can find it. Now, a simple Google search will definitely tell you, but I'll also tell you this. You can find us on player.fm, Refonic, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Attic, Podchaser, Podbean, Radio Republic, iHeartRadio, Radio.net, and iVox. So many different ways to listen to this podcast. And if you enjoy it that much, go ahead and share it with a friend. Share it on social media. Go ahead and tag us as well. Go ahead and share the love of wrestling with other friends of yours. Or once again, if people just like listening to two friends chit-chat about life and pro wrestling and a bunch of other weird things, go ahead and share it with them as well. Once again, we're having a great month with downloads, but we're always looking to expand and reach more of a greater audience. So share those and you can find our podcast on those platforms. All right. Uh, last thing I want to go into before we put this to bed is finally the all in card. Let's talk about what we are going to see in this big card on the zero hour, which is basically the pre-show you're going to get the Aussie open is going to be taking on MJF and Adam Cole. The ring of honor world tag team championship is on the line now, the Butster and I have talked about this. We do believe this is going to be the final installment of MJF and Adam Cole. There's going to be some type of clash that happens. They're not winning these championships. This is just made as fodder to build up their match later on that night. But it's interesting how they're going to play it out. We've got the House of Black is going to be taking on the trios of the acclaimed with the returning Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn came out and said, we're going to do it. One last time, one last match, but you're not getting, getting Billy Gunn, you're getting Mr. Ass. We're also going to have Hook challenging Jack Perry for the FTW Championship. That match was recently just added. Eddie Kingston, uh, Penta, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta are going to be taking on John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Santana, and Ortiz in the stadium stampede. Chris Jericho takes on Will Ospreay in what is meant to be built up as one of the biggest matches of not only Chris Jericho's career, but Will Ospreay as well. Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page, Juice Robinson, Jay White, and Kenoste Takeshita are going to be going at it in a six-man. Darby Allen and the icon known as Sting will be taking on Swerve Strickland and now Christian Cage. Uh, they went ahead and they replaced uh, AR Fox with Christian Cage for the coffin match. FTR is the AEW World Tag Team Champions. They will be putting their titles on the line against Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks. Hikaru Shida, Tony Storm, Soraya, Britt Baker will all be going at it in a fatal four-way for the Women's Championship. The real world champion, CM Punk, takes on longtime rival Samoa Joe, and the real world championship is on the line. And finally, in our main event, AEW champion MJF will take on Adam Cole Bay Bay for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Once again, you can catch this on pay-per-view. Do not miss it. Once again, it'll be taking place at Wembley Stadium, 6 p.m. Sunday, August the 27th. The Zero Hour takes place at 5 p.m. Keep in mind, that is going to be 
on European time. Now, you're in the States like we are. It's going to be on early. It's going to be starting at 1 p.m. on Sunday. The zero-hour pre-show will be taking place for one hour. How do I watch this pay-per-view? Well, if you're in the United States, it's available on Bleacher Report Live and obviously traditional pay-per-view, but you can also order it through Fight TV. Catch AEW Dynamite Live each and every Thursday, if you're in the UK, at 1 a.m. and Rampage at Saturday at 3 a.m. And you can catch it on Fight. Also, if you have an AEW Plus subscription, you can also get that as well. That is everything for All In. We're excited for it. But said they're closing in on 90,000 tickets. This is going to be huge. It is projected to be the biggest professional wrestling event of all time. Wembley Stadium. Butster, any final comments, thoughts on the pay-per-view itself? Uh, Do you think it's going to live up to the hype? Do you think this is going to be a major moment? Or do you think, wow, they really missed it? Definitely going to be a major moment. Has that's that's for even if the card is terrible, which it won't be, but even if the card was terrible, it's still a major moment for AEW. They're pulling off an event at Wembley. Uh, the report that I seen earlier was they have over ninety thousand tickets sold now. That's banana lands. That, that, that's fantastic. Kudos to them. Good for them. Uh, the card on paper is good. I don't think it's great. I think it's good. I might even go very good. But that's that's the extent of it. Uh, the match that has me the most intrigued is actually Hook and Jungle Boy. Or, sorry, Jack Perry. I think that's going to be really good. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested in that. Two young guys uh, could both be the future of AEW. I'm very interested in that. I like Jack Perry's new heel scumbag character. I'm getting behind that. Um, yeah, like you said, the opening match for Zero Hour, that's a foregone conclusion. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised with that. Um, I want to see how the Acclaim and Mr. Ass match goes. If this is it, if this is his retirement match, where did it go with it? Just, you would assume there's going to be some hoopla involved. You're not just going to have him go out as a bum or with no fanfare. I'm lukewarm at best to the Chris Jericho-Will Osprey match. Uh, both very talented. That, to me... This hurts my heart to say what I'm about to say. But that match to me is just trying to keep Jericho relevant a little bit longer. Osprey's going to carry that match. I agree. Jericho's still good. I'm not trying to cut him up. But he's lost a step. He's getting a little bit older. A lot of wear and tear on, on his body. No, that's But everybody goes through it. You get a little bit older. Things. Just, it's her, plain, plain and simple. You know, uh, I wish they hadn't gone that route, personally. Uh, the FTR match, I'm curious as to what's going to happen there. Is it, has that been sorted out? 
What's going on with Cash Wheeler? Who knows? Or is that going to get pulled? Uh, MJF and Adam Cole. I think their match is going to be fantastic. Uh, both very good. Uh, I know MJF is champion and all that stuff, but he, I still don't think he maybe gets the respect he should. He can wrestle. He's a very good wrestler. He definitely can don't wrestle. Give him the give him the respect he deserves. And I I'm not trying to be a homer by no stretch of the imagination and rah rah AEW, but he's better than people think he is. Who would you say if we were to do compare and contrast? Okay, this person is equivalent to this person in WWE. So MJF, who would you say he's a comparison to? As a total package or just in ring or no to- total package, the persona the is really hands down, no hesitation. I love the Miz. What about the Miz is well, a damn good wrestler, too? He Let's is not forget that he's better than he gets respect for. He's a guy who's who's out there doing his thing at this point, you know, collecting his paycheck. So right. So that's that's who I think he's like. Who do you say? Wow, that's a really tough one. Um, if I were to say who MJF reminds me the most of, I don't necessarily know if it's somebody currently on the roster. Um, I mean, I definitely see the comparisons to The Miz. I see that. The way he walks, the talk, the this, the that. I see that. Um, I think he's a far more advanced wrestler than The Miz is, in my opinion. But uh, but we'll see. I, I, I would say probably LA Knight. Not a bad call. It's not a bad call at all. So before we say our farewells here, um, I want to get a couple of predictions from you right now. So first of all, the trios match, Kenny Hangman, Kota Ibushi versus Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Takeshita. Who wins, the Golden Elite or Bullet Club Gold? Uh, The Elite. Coffin match, Sting and Darby Allin versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. Nobody. It's going to be terrible. But most likely, it'll be Darby and Sting. Um, Stadium Stampede, Orange Cassidy, Best Friends, Eddie Kingston, uh, Penta, um, and a mystery partner versus John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Santana and Ortiz, and a mystery partner. Who wins that one? Combat Club. Combat Club. CM Punk, Samoa Joe. Punk. That sucks. I agree. Uh, Trios Championship, the Acclaim versus Daddy Ass. And um, so the Acclaim with Daddy Ass taking on House of Black. Who wins? House of Black. Uh, four-way, Hikaru Shida, Britt Baker, Soraya, and Tony Storm. Shida. I say Soraya. AEW World Tag Team Championships, FTR, and the Young Bucks. Who you taking? FTR. Taking the Bucks. I think there's going to be some repercussions um, with cash. And then finally, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, Adam Cole and MJF. Who you taking? Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole, baby. I think that has so much more legs to it, um, especially after the interview that MJF had with Renee Paquette. You know, I think he's going to become golden baby face, huge baby face. And I think Adam Cole is going to come out and cut a scathing promo the very next week on Dynamite. He's going to be aligning himself with Roderick Strong and the kingdom, and they're going to have their own faction, and they are going to be hated. Um, so 
going to be interesting what we're going to see. I even think we may see Kyle O'Reilly or Bobby Fish show up as well. Um, so don't be surprised to see that. Well, O'Reilly's well. still hurt, isn't he? He could still show up, though. True. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the wrestling. Once again, the Butster has a big show coming up this upcoming weekend, but give them the details where it's going to be, what time, where's your booth located, how can they find you for autographs. Give them the whole nine yards. Well, I've never given an autograph, but hey, stop on in if you want to see me. Also, it's the B&B Memorial Show and Shine. It's from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. this Saturday at Centennial Park in Harrowsmith, Ontario. Uh, it's free to get in. Just show up. There's no entrance fee. If you want to enter a car in it, we are asking for a non-perishable food donation or some cash. It's going back to the food bank, so it's going to a good cause. Uh, I'll be set up in the in the marquee area, so right, they have a big pavilion. I'll be set up in there right next to uh, Rapture Limited, who is the main sponsor of the show. Uh, Linda and I, CB79, Wooden Toymaker, we are a secondary sponsor. Uh, we've got a 58 toy cars actually linda told me today there's 59 i just i miscounted so we actually have an extra car uh that we have donated they're being sold for 15 dollars a piece all proceeds go back to the bnb shine, which in turn donates all the money to the south front neck fire department it's a little fire department it's all volunteers uh so they're not getting a ton of government funding so every little bit helps them so, you know, we're, we're trying to give back a little bit. Uh, how it works with with the toys you get from us, I've built a ramp. It's actually an eight-foot ramp because, well, you know, I like to do things to the extreme every once in a while. Uh, you, you buy your car. They're all individually numbered. Linda's actually working on them right now, burning the numbers into the bottom. Uh, Fifteen bucks. You know, we, we log your name. I, I take it. I run it on the ramp for you. The three that go the furthest will all be measured, win a prize. Your prizes are an Oculus virtual reality headset, a DJI mini drone, or wow. a day pass to Canada's Wonderland, including a gas card and a hotel stay. You can't beat that. Uh, so you, you take first, second, and third. So first gets first pick, second and third to get all their pri- all their prizes. It'll all be awarded in the winner's circle at the end of the show at about 3 o'clock. You have to be on site to take part and to win. Once again, all the proceeds are going right back to the community. We're not keeping a dime of it. And we're also considering maybe donating 20% of our sales as well. Uh, Just want to give back a little bit. It's for a good cause. There's going to be a ton of cars at this. Uh, everything from your, you know, your your classics, your muscle cars, trucks, uh, you know, your your Honda Civics, your Subarus. Uh, apparently, there's supposed to be a couple Lamborghinis there. There'll be some Harleys and some racing bikes. It's a big event. It's for a good cause. The South Rock Fire Department will be there themselves. They're going to be running a, a slip and slide for the kids. I guess oh. the adults can do it too if they want to. I'm not sure, but there'll be numerous vendors there. Uh, the Barbecue Babes is a food truck here in, in Kingston. Uh, they're there as well. 
a lot of people are trying to contribute. So, yeah, if you are in the area, come on out. Love to see you. Stop on by my table. Say hello. No, if you want to buy something, buy something. If not, you just want to stop by and say hello. That's a-okay with me, too. I'd love to see you. The Butster is, uh, he works his butt off. And I'm not saying that just because we're really good friends. I'm saying this because he puts out a quality product. And, again, if it's if it's not even just for the butt, do it for the simple fact that it's money going towards supporting people. And, once again, as the butt would always say, do something good. Don't be a scumbag. Be a scumbag. That should probably have been rehearsed first. Um, I point at you and you're like, oh, Jesus, what is this guy doing? He's such a, oh, God, ADD Freeland. Oh, man. It, it has been so much fun. Guys, thank you for hanging with us. Uh, a long episode here, but uh, we definitely appreciate your, your love and your support and your continued downloads. That's going to do it. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material Brand. Yeah.